That's right. I have my friends with me. If she doesn't stop it, I'll punish her again. You hear that, old lady? I'll punish you again! Hello and welcome once again to Won't Stay Dead, the podcast that explores uh, the murky world of cult and horror films. This episode, things are getting particularly murky because we're looking at um, one of the most infamous and notorious titles on the video nasty list and indeed of American indie exploitation cinema as a whole. It's uh, Joseph Ellison's Don't Go In The House, um, which is a pretty brutal film, I, I guess. But hopefully, we'll, like Cannibal Holocaust, we'll kind of find some some good stuff in it to talk about. Um, before we start, I'll just say uh, Twitter and Facebook, we're on all of the, all that stuff. Um, so just look at www.won'tstaydead.wordpress.com because I always say .org, I always get it wrong. So it's definitely .com. Um, so yeah, I'll start off by introducing the panel. Um, sitting beside me is Mr. Paul Doran. Hello. And Hi. Mr. David Hanna. Hello. Yay. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying, how are you, every time I'm introduced. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody can answer. Well, maybe they all said that. <laughs> I do it every fucking time. Um, yeah, just kick off, just to start. Did, did you guys enjoy Don't, Don't Go In The House? Yes, I did. I said it with a reservation. But uh, yeah, I did. Um, I At first, the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, I watched it, I thought... Oh my god, this is going to be brutal. This is I'm not going to enjoy this at all. This is just going to fucking haunt me. But no, it it uh, turned into something that I thought was yeah pretty pretty well made. Yeah, I guess I kind of thought the same. I think when I was watching it at the time, I know this will sound strange, but I wasn't sure if I was enjoying it. Like uh, it kind of just, it was the next day when I was kind of thinking about it when it kind of settles with you. I kind of yeah. Yeah, I kind of summed it up then and went, yeah I did actually really like that but, uh, <clears throat> I had sort of reservations about certain aspects of it um, but sure we'll get into that later I guess but for the most part yeah yeah I enjoyed it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know uh, I think this was like the fourth or fifth time I'd seen it and um, once the kind of initial shock value dies you, you do kind of like Cannibal Holocaust you are able to kind of see it for what it is um, not least the fact that the film is essentially carried by Dan Grimaldi. I mean, he has most of the dialogue, he has most of the scenes by himself. You know, if he'd been a shit actor, the whole film would have been ruined. But the fact that the whole film isn't ruined and it, and it does work and it is believable, I think, is a kind of testament to. I mean, I, I, I never watched The Sopranos, but did you guys ever watch The Sopranos? Yeah, some yeah. of it. Uh, is, yeah. is he like a main character? No. Uh, it's, he plays, well, there's twins in it and he plays both of them. They're actually they're weird characters because you never really see them that often. You don't find out much about them, but there are so you do see them quite a lot, but you never know anything about them. So he's like, uh, I think one of them, I always forget their names, but one of them's like an accountant for Tony Soprano. And there's like a, a classic scene where I think Tony, well, it's not a scene, but a storyline where Tony is forced to like, you know, 
put a head out in one of them and he has to kill him and the other one kind of knows that he's done it but can't do anything about it so obviously he's like torn up inside but your man Grimaldi plays the whole thing really well and there's the, the classic scene is where he takes a piss in Tony Soprano's uh, swimming pool <laughs> when, he, when he's really drunk and I think Tony's in the house I can't remember but never sees him so he kind of like luckily gets away with it yeah, yeah. but it's really good but as the interesting sort of fact where I, I think I'm going to try and do this every episode now <laughs> try and link to the last film oh, okay yeah but yeah. there's cool. a very easy one with this because uh, I think it was the guy that plays Lazaro which is uh, what did we come up with Ron Lightman yeah Rob Lightman he plays a doctor in The Sopranos so there's your link ah, cool. oh there you yeah, go so. <laughs> excellent yeah. that's it uh, <laughs> If we keep doing that, we'll be able to link all the podcasts together. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Nice one, Fleabag. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, okay, well, sure, let's do the beers. Um, Paul, sure, you go first. You look like you've got a pretty decent uh, haul. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, well, what I, the one I just opened is a Sierra Nevada uh, Ruthless Rye IPA uh, because uh, uh, you know, uh, Donnie's pretty ruthless. It's an amazing beer. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I actually saw it's that. Delicious, yeah. it's good. I saw that in the vineyard, and I was thinking, yeah, ruthless because yeah. the film's pretty ruthless. <laughs> yeah, um, I also got a torpedo uh, extra IPA, which doesn't really tie in, other than torpedoes use fire parts. Oh, that's you know? great as well. But yeah, it's, oh, that's Sierra Nevada stuff's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I love Sierra Nevada, um, and it's American, and it is American. That's true. Yeah, got got away with a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> the Colonel um, Export India Porter. Uh, I found that there was a kernel of of redemption in uh, Donnie's story. Oh, that's rich in life. Trouble Brewing's Deception Golden Ale, because Donnie uses quite a lot of deception to get the women to... Uh, I thought there'd be a lot of fire-themed beers, but uh, they weren't. Classic Lime Burner. Paleo, which I... Can finally tie into something. <laughs> you, I mean, anyone who listens regularly will know that. I think you've you've had a Kinnegar beer pretty much every pretty much every time. Yeah. And, uh, I yeah. No, I finally. Have. No, it's not. As, it's <laughs> yeah. not as tenuous as it. Yeah, would yeah. be a good one for Island of Death. Lime burner, exactly. Lime burner, yeah, because yeah. they do actually get burned with lime at the if end. We ever do that. <laughs> We're bound to do like Island of Death at some stage. Well, we have to. No. I want to drink more of that kind of guy. <laughs> uh, and Punk IPA because I, I couldn't really think because you like it <laughs> yeah because I like it uh, 1979 just a bit of punk in the air stuff <laughs> <laughs> is that you? not in the movie yeah that's me okay oh, young David uh, sure <laughs> my bag here okay. I think I picked I picked a few that are the same uh, yeah, I went for the lime burner uh, as well. <laughs> you won't regret it. It's got the word burner in it. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Um, I went for the dark arts porter because uh. there's kind of dark things going on in his head. Was nah. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's see what else is there. Uh, I, th- I also went for ruthless. If I can find yeah. it, oh, we got this one as well. The little things that kill. Oh, Class. <laughs> Which is a violently hoppy little beer. Again, I saw that and thought, could get that, yeah. Yeah. I could, there was a few things in there I thought, like, you could get that, but you could save it for other ones, which are, like, a bit more accurate. Yeah, Ruthless there as well, which is Sierra Nevada, because it's pretty ruthless. 
And yeah, he's pretty ruthless, isn't he? What else did I get? Uh, rogue, because he's a bit of a rogue. <laughs> <laughs> What's the picture on that phone? Um, I think it's like a guy... He's got an axe, actually, but... He doesn't uh. use an axe in the film. No. Yeah. no. Oh. Yeah, Donnie's a bit of a rogue, isn't he? Oh, actually, at the very beginning, when uh, he's he's got his tools, and he's like putting his tools away, does he have like an axe? I can't remember. Well, maybe what, a pickaxe. When he's at work? <laughs> yeah. Can't think now. Possibly, I might have watched ah. something else where somebody had an axe. It's the kind of film you think there's bound to be an axe somewhere in yeah. that film. <laughs> yeah, because it's just so American and yeah, 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 you know, people have guns and axes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. God bless America. <laughs> um, I got uh, Lucifer, Belgian ale. I nearly went for that with a uh, nice picture of the devil and flames on the front, which is obviously ties into the whole. Pyromanic theme of uh, the film. <laughs> it's like eight percent or something, though, isn't it? Um, yes, eight percent. <laughs> uh, yeah, you think all good Belgian beer should be exactly. Yeah, that'll probably be pretty, pretty ridiculous. And then the next year, kind of quite similar. Uh, the first one is the it's the classic um, German um, Rauch beer, the smoked beer. I was going to get one of those. Ah, I didn't realize it was smoked. That would have made fucking perfect sense. Yeah, I couldn't figure a way to tie it in. But. Exactly, because obviously Donnie's victims are pretty smoked and charred once he's finished with them. Um, Brauerei Heller in Bamberg, so German beer, and Donnie's second name is Kohler, which is a German name. So, Oh, does, does it relate, actually, I didn't think at the time, does it relate to burning Kohler? Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Cool. Okay. Uh, and then the second one is the, kind of the same. It is a smoked porter from Beavertown. Um, these kind of, I think, these... Um, beers have just started kind of uh, appearing on the shelves. They do like an, uh, an IPA and they're kind of three 330ml cans um, and they do a kind of American IPA. This is smoke porter and just the cans themselves are just so cool. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah. Just really, really cool designs. Um, it's worth buying it for that alone. So, But obviously, yeah, smoked porter. Um, you know. Don, Don, <laughs> Donnie's <laughs> charred victims. So bloody cool. <laughs> Where is like Um... I think, for some reason, I thought that those beers were Australian, but I don't think they are. I think they're American, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Paul, what does it say on the label? Uh, ported by um, ported by Norway. Um, so it's imported by a Norwegian company. Kind of the Beaverdown Brewery Unit Unit Seventeen in London. London. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's English. Hmm. Cool. Strange. Yeah, I was trying to look for stuff that was related to New Jersey or New York. Yeah. Couldn't think of anything. Yeah, all I can think of was like Pops Blue Ribbon. I don't even know if that is yeah, I don't New know. York, but it just seems like a very blue collar kind of. <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn Lager, I suppose. Yeah, Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Do we know anything? I mean, is it is it actually stated in the film where it's set? I can't actually remember now because I I'll, don't think it is. Obviously, his looking out for that. I thought maybe it was sort of um, sort of maybe Canada or something, but no, it's it is it is. Um, New Jersey. Mm. I, I, the, the only clue I could see was was his his accent. Yeah, he's got yeah. a kind of New Jersey accent. Aye, true. Mm. At one point yeah. he says like, "If I if I if I had evil thoughts, she would burn me." And he goes, "If I had evil thoughts." Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like a New Jersey accent, isn't it? Yeah, oh, any, yeah walk any. <laughs> for any Americans listening, that probably that's probably a terrible impression. But I heard someone say that you can't though. do a Northern Irish impression, so fuck you. When I, when yeah. I was in New York, someone said that though. Well, hey, I'm walking here. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so they do. They do actually say it. Oh. 
Maybe one person said it and I just happened <laughs> yeah. to hear it. It's just not 80s Manhattan-based disaster films. <laughs> um, okay, well, before we kind of go, I mean, it's kind of customary to do something before we get onto the main thing, so I thought um, I would do another quiz, and it was kind of half-hours because I just, I just kind of thought... I can't think of anything decent to do a quiz on. So I kind of did this at the very last minute, uh, just before I left work. So it's a fil- it's a it's a quiz based it's a, it's a quiz about um films that are to do with fire or that have fire in them. Right. <laughs> so there's there's eight questions, so we can either do one each or I can or we can read them all I can just do them out and the first person to answer wins. So which would you guys prefer? I don't care. Yeah, do buzz in things, sure. So. Buzz in thing? Yeah, why not? Okay. <clears throat> Good. Our first answer, we don't have any buzzers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Make buzz noises. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Fire noises. <laughs> actually, hold on. I haven't, I haven't even opened a beer. I'm going to open that smoked porter now, actually. This is absolutely delicious. That's oh, great, isn't it? Yeah. Smoky beers are great, but... The first thing is, if they're too smoky, you can't drink them all now. Yeah. And the second thing is that your your burps just taste like smoke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like if you're drinking good scotch. Yeah, it's, oh, it's hard to drink stout all night. Like a really good stout is hard to drink it all night. Yeah, often. like it's yeah. really good after a nice like IPA or something mm. in between. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so this is our this is the kind of fire flame quiz. Um, so question number one: What Dario Argento film was the follow up to his 1977 expressionist witchcraft classic Suspiria? Inferno. <laughs> Point to Paul there. One, one nil to Paul. One of my favourites is a brilliant one. Yeah, I know. Like, do you think we'll do Inferno sometime? Like, do you think we, have, we should do in Suspiria first? Or isn't that's in the rules, isn't it? We have to. If it's a trilogy, have we have to do. Was there was there a rule? Yeah. I can't remember. We were there is, but then it's up. it's problematic because D wants to do Mad Mad, Mad Max two at some stage, but yeah. then you have to do Mad Max one, I suppose. Well, that's not good. <clears throat> rules are there to, be, there to be broken, like. So. <laughs> Okay, question number two. Which 1981 summer, clamp, summer camp slasher film features a badly burned janitor called Cropsy who returns to seek revenge on camp counsellors? The burning? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's one all. Uh, I don't even know. Like, I haven't seen it, but like, I was looking into the like information about Don't Go In The House. Apparently they wanted to call it that. Yeah. But they couldn't because this other one was... Exactly, yeah. Was... No, one called something else as well, like The Burning... Man or something, or the I think at one stage it was called Pyro, uh, I, I, I something something like that, and I think it was when it was being filmed. Its working title was Pyro, and um, as in P Y R O, and I think the kind of clapperboards said Pyro. Yeah, okay. I think. Um, okay, what 1984 film starring Drew Barrymore as a child actor was based on a Stephen King novel? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Firestarter. Yeah. Nice one, Kizzy Pete. What is that? <laughs> like, uh, I've never seen that, have you? Yeah, uh, she's a, I think she is, what is it, what do you call her? It's like telekinesis, but you can start fires with your mind. Um, is there a word for that even? Pyrokinesis or something? Pyrokinesis? <laughs> maybe, maybe. That's making sense, that's fire movement. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so, so, something like that. I can't remember, I haven't seen it in years. Like. Yeah. But it's not very good. Is it not? I don't. I don't remember being very good. I remember the time being really disappointed. But oh. um, I was really young, though. So yeah. it's a bit of a shit concept. Yeah, yeah. I think it was when Stephen King was writing a lot of was doing a lot of coke and was writing all metaphors for his own coke addiction. 
Oh. It was around that kind of, mm-hmm. kind so of time. I don't really know how that was a metaphor of a coke addiction, but <laughs> I think yeah. I think it was in that sort of period. It sort of reminds me of Carrie a bit, though, like the mm. kind of concept. Of yeah. It, like, well, she would just make things break, but I suppose everything set on fire eventually. Yeah. yeah. Is that because of her? Uh, yeah. Yeah, she was mental. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I think in this one is like a man and his, his like young daughter, maybe not his daughter, but a young ward. Um, on the run and she can start fire to their mind and that's why they're on the run oh, okay. but I might be getting that mixed up with another movie but cool <laughs> um, okay question number four uh, in which installment of the Halloween series is Michael Myers shot in the eyes before being blown up in a gas explosion Jason goes to hell no what you said Halloween didn't yeah um, I don't know um, six excuse me no two yeah <laughs> Do you remember in the hospital at the end? Uh, it's been a while since you guys saw Halloween 2. Is it? I remember there being a hospital at the end, but yeah. I can't remember what. I don't think I've seen Halloween 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you don't really like Halloween, do you? Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. I'm not a huge Halloween fan. Uh, I'd, like, I'd watch it again, if, you know, but I think it's just slashers in general. I think I've said this before. <laughs> um. And I mean, this is this is the stage where I start getting really desperate for fucking questions. I mean, you're just googling, you know, fire-based <laughs> horror films, and you're just thinking, what's the point in even doing this? But <laughs> what what is the name of the second Hunger Games film starring Jennifer Lawrence? Mockingjay. Mocking no. <laughs> is that the first one? Is it Catching Fire? Yay! No. That is the second one, isn't it? It probably is. Yeah, I can't remember. It's not fair. He works in a bookshop. I do work in a bookshop. <laughs> so, what is it like? Th- is it three all? No, because no. one of them five questions. So it's three two to, to Paul. Okay. Fire is the weapon of choice for an Arctic research team fighting an imitative and hostile alien from another planet in which the thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> three all. Uh, what Jess Franco film features a former prison doctor who abducts women in an attempt to use their skin to repair his daughter's fire scarred face? Ooh. Uh, How's no. your Jess Franco knowledge? Not good. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, uh, mannequin? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The Awful Dr. Orloff? Uh, no, I've heard of it. One of his earlier films? Hmm. And finally... Uh, and it's interesting because we were talking about this. In Brian De Palma's Carrie, Carrie begins her reign of fiery terror after having what poured over her head? Pig's blood? Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> no. Took the lead. <laughs> Deep hip fall to the post. <laughs> I was going to say pig's guts anyway, so that would have been... Pig's guts would have been better. But was it the, mm. was it the answer? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was really made recently, wasn't it? With your woman from Kick-Ass? Yeah. Yeah. Was it any good? Did I, I don't know. No, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I wonder would it have been good? Probably not. Yeah. That's my guess. I, I'm not even really that much of a fan of the original Carrie. I think it's 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 just okay. I think it's yeah. It's kinda of one of those films where you've got to wait through the whole you've got to wait for through the whole film and get to get the payoff at the end. Yeah. I guess. I remember it being good in terms of character build up and stuff, but yeah. it has been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I don't think it's like it, it, it's not a, an outright horror movie. It's just a it's like a psychological sort of torment movie where maybe horrific stuff happens towards the end. But maybe yeah. similar to Don't Go in the House and all. Yeah, like flip backwards. Yeah, sort of. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also, it's also it's kind of Carrie is kind of credited with the the beginning of the one last scare trope in horror films. You know, because yeah, the yeah. hand bursts out of the grave at the end, Aye. and that became massive in horror films and kind of subsequent yeah. horror films in the late seventies and eighties. We think of like Halloween or uh, Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, and then in Slaughter High and um, Pieces. I don't know if anyone's seen that kind of Spanish giallo film. There's lots of kind of you know the the final scare at the end. So Carrie's yeah. kind of, Carrie's kind of credited with 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 starting that. Even the Omen actually as well. Crazy, yeah. Hmm. So I guess it's good for that anyway. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. Well, uh, yeah, we're gonna drink some more beers and we'll be back to discuss. Don't go in the house after this. No. Wake up, mother. Wake up. Please wake up! Please wake up, mother! Now stop it! I made your tea! Drink your tea! Okay, yeah, so, um, yeah, now we're kind of moving on to the main feature, I guess, uh, which is, obviously, Don't Go in the House, uh, 1979, if my memory serves me correct. Um, it's a film that, when I was first kind of getting into the, uh, kind of first discovering and getting interested in the whole video nasty thing when I was about 17 or 18, it was one of those titles that um I just thought that is a brilliant. Just having having don't in a title, don't do something that just completely blew me away because that just that just immediately just strikes fear. And you know, don't open the window, don't don't go in the woods, don't answer the phone. I just thought it was a really cool name for a title. And then the the um, the edition that came out on video in the UK in the kind of early eighties was on arcade video, and it shows um, Donnie in his kind of big asbestos suit taking a. The charred corpse down from the 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 chains, 
and um, the tagline is, in a steel room built for revenge, they die burning in chains. And I remember just thinking, that sounds like the worst film <laughs> ever like, in terms of that. just sounds like absolutely horrendous. Um, and it was ages before it, 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 it got a, a, a release. Because um, obviously it kind of disappeared after the whole uh, video nasty thing. But um, it was first re- first got a classif- an X classification for a theatrical release in the UK uh, with cuts. And then the whole Video Nasty thing happened. Video Recordings Act was brought in in 1984. And then it was resubmitted for classification by Apex in 1987. It got an 18 with 3 minutes 7 seconds of cuts. And didn't then get an uncut release on DVD or at all um, until Arrow, um, good old Arrow, uh, submitted it for classification. And by this stage, it'd be, um, 2011. And by this stage, the BBFC were perfectly willing to pass it um, uncut with an 18 certificate. So... Whenever it actually did come out in DVD, it was for me. It was like, wow, I'm finally going to get to see this film, um, and watched it, and uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty, pretty tough going. Certainly the first twenty minutes. Um, I remember um, whenever whenever he kind of knocks the girl out and she wakes up in the the steel room the first time, and whenever he comes in the suit, my my heart was actually racing, yeah. and I actually started to sweat because <clears throat> you're just like, am I about to see something really really horrendous here, or is this going to be um, a bit, you know, kind of hokey and a bit shit and, and not really work, but I think it does really, really work. And as a result, it's it's actually quite disturbing. Um, but but luckily the, the film, I mean, that's kind of the, the film's central set piece. And after that, um, all the kind of, most of the violence kind of happens off screen and it just concentrates more in his kind of uh, mental decline and his relationship with Bobby. Um but yeah, so what did you guys what did you guys think of Don't Go in the House, Paul? Yeah, um I was the same with that 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 scene where uh, girl <laughs> girl wakes up in the room, I thought uh I, I did feel myself really sort of on the verge of like uh, not on the verge of panic, but like uh, not not far off it either. Um and uh <laughs> it yeah, I thought this this is gonna be a really, really difficult film to watch, but um it then it played out. I was quite impressed by how how it played out. Um, I mean, there were it obviously lifted quite heavily from like I think from Scorsese and again maybe like a sort of ham fisted Hitchcock, like a uh, fist cock if you want. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Definitely elements of Psycho. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. The mum, yeah. Um, and it yeah, I think it did it quite well. I think some of the sh- the shots, uh, the non. Uh, non-violent shots like some of the outdoor shots were absolutely brilliant they were beautiful uh, there's one shot where he's standing on a, standing on a dock and there's two ships in the background and you see two masts sort of like bobbing above his shoulders it looks amazing it sort of looks like he's got wings or something Whoa. Um, <clears throat> uh, but it's uh, yeah there's some some beautiful cinematography and some some terrific acting as well and uh, I think it there were some issues obviously people raise issues of like of the misogyny and things like that but that's obviously part of the um, that's part of the plot you know it's, it's tackling that that idea rather than promoting it you know but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it, overall I was I was sort of pacified and uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it quite a lot I thought it was a little bit of a lull actually after the first the the after the murder sort of tapered off and he was just sort of wandering around for a while but um that then nothing really it didn't really pick up too much from that but it, it turned into something quite uh, 
quite serious and quite good. Yeah. I just think parts of it were kind of like art housey in a way. Like, yeah, that's what I got from it. Like even the the start of it, like you know, where the they're in that is it like a metal plant or something? Yeah, or? I suppose. Yeah, <clears throat> I wasn't really sure what that place was, but I think they're they're like burning incinerators. Yeah, they're just burning rubbish. And then that guy, <clears throat> like there's a stray aerosol can in this thing, and it blows up, and he gets set on fire, and Donald's just kind of watching him. I don't even think then you knew he was going to be the main character. Yeah. Is that because I was sort of... Because I hadn't read anything about it before I watched it. So I was just sort of taking it in as it was fed to me. And you don't get that impression straight away. At least, I don't know if you guys did, but I didn't think he was going to be the main character. Because he's so detached. Yeah. You, just, yeah. you don't know really what's going on. Because I, I didn't know it was going to be about him going home to find this mother of his that died. <laughs> He won't yeah. drink your tea. <laughs> <laughs> You're dead, brother. Drink your tea anyway. <laughs> I've made you chamomile tea. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I thought there was a psycho thing going on at that point when he said, uh, when you could just see her, her yeah. head. I thought, like, oh my god, she's dead, and she's obviously a skeleton. But that's yeah. She thought she, she was dead, but it was. Yeah, it was She'd already just died. Yeah. yeah. But no, it was it was a strange film because that was quite a serious kind of dark start to it. Um, and then the only sort of it's, I don't even what's not maybe not intentional but when he does discover his mother and then realises she's died and then he's sort of part in denial isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But he also realises that he's also free but yeah. then <clears throat> like then there's a bit where he goes I can play my music like <laughs> yeah. and kind of like it's I was reading a review of it and they sort of I think quite aptly described him as turning into Kevin McAllister at that point. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's jumping on top of the uh, yeah, jumps on the chair and everything, and, and, he, <laughs> and he smokes a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously he hears his mother's voice again, so he's kind of. I don't know, well, obviously that's not his mother's voice. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I, that's what I confused me. I thought it was his mother's voice first. Yeah. And, uh, no, the whispering is well. We see, part of the problem is that it's difficult to understand what the whispering is saying. But did yeah. you not hear? I thought that was his mother going. You, you stop that right now. His mother was yeah. was shouting at him as well. You're right. His yeah, mother yeah. does shout at him, but the whispering. Yeah. Well, the whispering's different. But oh, when yeah. he's jumping right. about and listening to music, he hears "Stop that right now" or something. Oh yes, you're, you're right. Sorry, yes. And then he runs back down, but the music's still playing in the background. But um, yeah, the whispering is different. Does the whispering come in? It comes in kind of like you're finally free or something. Yeah, yeah you're. I think she says you're the god of the flame. Yeah, it's something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. See, the edition I watched was on YouTube, so the quality, yeah. the audio quality wasn't amazing. Okay. E- even on DVD, actually, the audio quality was... Well, the audio quality was fine for most of but that, that was so like so drenched in effects, it was hard to make out what was... Um, what, did you did you actually buy it on DVD? Yeah. yeah did you? Got, got the Arrow edition, yeah. Yay! It was good, yeah. It's, uh, and uh, I'm glad, because I was sick of watching, <laughs> watching everything on the YouTube. <laughs> it's like... You having to watch They Live on your phone? <laughs> yeah, I know. That sucks. <laughs> and Enemy Mine was a nightmare. I was like, streaming it through Chromecast, but I had to like, had to like, maximize a tiny window, and it just stretched everything out into this weird shit, and it was all delayed. And, and, uh, <laughs> fucking horrible. Um, see, I watched it with someone, like a friend of mine, so it was harder to get absorbed in it, because you know what it's like when you watch yeah. films with people? Especially something you're kind of appalled by. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did they think of it? What did your friend think? I think he was it Cahill? Uh, no, it was Marco. It was another guy I live with. Um, but it's just when, you know, like, kind of when ridiculous things happen, you can't help but, like, laugh because there's someone else there. But yeah. Like, yeah. you wouldn't do that by yourself, just because you're a bit more absorbed in it. Like. Uh, yeah. 
But when he starts jumping on the seat and everything, <laughs> yeah. it is kind of funny. Um, I don't know if they meant it that way. It's hard to tell. Yeah. But I don't know. It's what did you think of his reaction when his, when he finally realises that his mother's died and just does that? With that the, 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 the silent kind of... puts his hand <laughs> in his mouth. It's really... Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people online and forums were saying that they absolutely wet themselves when he did that. It I, actually... Well, I, I, I thought know. it was great. I thought it, it looked like it was going to be really hammy and then it... He could have continued into something that was kind of, yeah, quite believable, I thought. It's almost kind of like the way you might expect someone who's crazy to react because his mother's obviously elderly and she's obviously been sick for a while because he's constantly going on about how sick his mother is. So if you're a normal person, coming home to find your mother dead, given all that background, Mm -hmm. that's not going to be much of a surprise because she's she's old, she's ill. You know, yeah. it surely it was only a matter of time, but he he is genuinely shocked to the point that he almost doesn't believe. Yeah, and the first thing he wants to do is ring the doctor. Yeah, um, I just felt it was like a mixture between well, that expression was a mixture between like excitement and like you know mourning. No, oh, you think Does so? that makes any sense? Um, yeah, but just because of the immediate aftermath, everyone like I know it's the voices telling him this, but obviously the vo- like you think the voices are in his head, so it's him as well. <laughs> Yeah, but so like maybe that's what he was kind of torn between the both both of those like feelings, and that's why it's like I because it kind of looks like his eyes light up a bit. Yeah, mm. he's it's weird as well. Like, he's it's obviously had like a trauma at work that day as well, or some maybe it wasn't a trauma to him, but um, <clears throat> it's something that traumatized normal people at work that day, and then he comes home to another trauma and. Are you watching him just snap there? You know, is it? Yeah. Or? Yeah. I mean, we're we're kind of int- introduced to him via that that situation of his, his workmate going on on being set on fire and him just um, standing there and doing nothing. And it's obviously because of his relationship with fire and he associates fire and burning with the abuse that his mother gave him and the death of his father and all this all this kind of stuff. So you kind of wonder how much of a mentalist was he before? Your man gets set on fire. Yeah. Like, was he a bit crazy before then anyway? Or did that one thing completely set him off? Yeah, they, they do sort of make allusions to him being crazy. But it's it's hard to, like, you know, his colleagues sometimes do. But it's hard to tell if that's just, you know, they're just ragging on him anyway. You know? Yeah, because he's always a bit weird. He's, yeah, he probably will be weird anyway since he's been burdened by his mother. But. So, like, I suppose I got, kind of got the impression he was maybe, like, a bit of a social outcast but yeah. then your man is Bobby he calls Bobby, his friend yeah, yeah. but yeah because I don't really know why he kind of like likes him there's no explanation yeah or... well like with Bobby it seems like at some point it seems like some point it seems like he's just he's just a really nice guy and at other point it seems like he's a real scumbag like, yeah. maybe know. he's an arsehole and he's like you know the only person who'll actually hang about with him maybe yeah <laughs> it is weird how persistent he is yeah because he kind of the the thing happens and he sta- he sta- first of all he stands up for him then he goes out and says you know don't worry that guy's a probably a faggot <laughs> yeah. like, it's horrible but then he asks him to go for a beer and then he rings him again and then he just keeps ringing him and then eventually Donnie rings him and he invites him out to on this date and stuff and you just think what what is with this guy why what what why is this guy so insistent that Donnie is his friend I think he genuinely cares. For Bobby, I think he's like, or for Donnie, I think he's. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I I like to take it that he actually wanted to be his friend, you know, and actually uh, knew that his mother was sick and wanted to like look out for him, you know. Mm-hmm. 
um, and sort of felt sorry for him. But mm-hmm. um, at the same time, he's obviously a bit of a dick to his wife, you know, and, and his kids. It doesn't, yeah, you get the impression but, he doesn't give a fuck about his kids. Yeah, like go, just just goes to bars. He always calls calls him from bars. <laughs> yeah, maybe he wants another another. He seems to want another buddy in crime. Maybe he thinks Donnie's easily valuable or something. Mm-hmm. But then I suppose then towards the end when he goes to like uh, get Donny help, you know, he um, from the priest. Yeah. He was out of his way, and he, it'd be much easier for him to avoid avoid Donny. Um, actually, I would probably avoid Donny after that kind of behaviour. Like, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's he a good. Do, does go to find him help, and he goes to actually help him and tries to save him. But yeah, although he doesn't know what he's saving him from. But. No, exactly. But he knows that because um, he says to the priest, you know, he's 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 kind of he's lashed out, and this this guy's after him and yeah. all this kind of stuff so yeah, yeah like he's, he's worried that that guy's gonna catch up with him and beat him up more than he's worried the fact yeah. that Donnie smashed a lamp over a woman's yeah. head <laughs> yeah it's it's like the the ultimate sort of bros before hoes kind of mentality like. yeah which maybe explains yeah. why he doesn't give a fuck about his wife but he yeah. but he cares about this randomer yeah. from, his, from his work yeah. maybe like to bring it back a bit as well see like <clears throat> when he finds his mother uh-huh. and she's died and everything well, obviously, the immediate aftermath, he goes out and finds these women and kills them. But um, that steel room that he's built, had he built that beforehand? No, it shows you him building it. Yeah, maybe like, I missed just, that scene. Just once you see him with a... Uh, uh, it's the first time that... Maybe the first or second time that Bobby phones him. Um, and he has, a, he has a hammer in his hand. And he's like he's just hammering one nail into like the final nail into the... Uh, it's pretty much that on night, I think. Like the, the implication is that he is he stayed up all night doing it because uh, yeah. he starts doing it and then before you know it, it's daylight and all the, all the lights in the house are still on. Yeah. So the implication is that he's been up all night doing this. Yeah. The reason I was wondering was because is it because that he wanted to get revenge on his mother? And maybe this is another reason he's traumatised by her death. I think so, and I think that's why he picks yeah. women, and that's why yeah. he chooses to burn them. Yeah, because okay. yeah. he says, "Like you're all bitches," wow. and I think, I think, I think the, um, I think the kind of the voice says something to him. I mean, again, it's it's difficult to understand what the voice is saying, but it'd be interesting to watch actually, actually with subtitles. Um, but I think um, even even the voice says something to him, like you know, like like you're free, you you can get them all, like we'll show them all, or something like that. So. What does he say? Um, his first victim. Well, I suppose may as well talk about it now. The, that particularly brutal scene. Yeah. When he gets his first victim, uh, the, it's the florist, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he tricks her into coming back with him. Um, yeah, like what? It, like once he like sort of knocks her out when she's trying to phone someone. It's a taxi, isn't it? Uh, but he knocks her out and then ties her up naked. It's very quick, isn't it? Like he doesn't really faff about. He kind of comes in and says something and just. You know, burns her. Yeah. Well, he pours petrol over her or something. Yeah, there is one. There is a bit though. I'm pretty sure it's this, it's at this stage where she's tied up in the room, and before he's even got changed into the suit, he goes into his his bedroom and yeah. closes the door, and he just has his head his head in his hands as, as if to say, "I know what I'm about to do, and I'm pretty fucking I'm pretty fucked up about the fact that I'm about to do this." Well, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got the impression he was sort of gearing himself up to do it. He, uh, which I thought was a quite uh, quite an interesting touch. I thought he. Uh, uh, he was still in two minds about doing it at that stage, and then he had to like think about. That got depressed. He was sort of forced himself to think about him being burned, and then that's that's what finally spurred him. It like clicked in his head that that's what he had to do, and he did it. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I was I was trying to do like a bit of research into because <clears throat> like you know why we kind of think it's similar to Psycho. Yeah. In that sort of sense, but like apparently Psycho was based on Ed Gein. Oh yeah. So I was yeah. trying to read up about him today. Yeah. yeah. And apparently it's quite similar. Like um, he had a bit of a mental mother who would like. I think she punished him for like hanging about with women and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And she like just detested other women and thought they were all like harlots, I think. Yeah. And it's quoted in one of his biographies or something. But uh there was like one thing I was reading about I don't know if it's a it must have been a biography of him, but he recalled an incident from his childhood or something where they went to this person's house for whatever reason. Um, like I don't know, to get stuff off the neighbours kind of thing, you know, like whether it was milk or sugar, blah blah blah. Yeah. But uh he recalls this incident where the man of the house, like, this dog was barking outside and the man came out and, like, started beating this dog and kept beating the dog until it died. Jesus. But his mother was quite upset by the whole thing. Yeah. And it turned out in the end that she wasn't actually upset about that. He w- she was more upset by the fact that the man wasn't married to the woman that was living. Oh, right. With him. Right. Jesus <laughs> So Christ. she was just this, like, crazy, like, she was very into her Christianity. Yeah, yeah. And she moved them all to the country. And, like, yeah. he was kept in isolation from everybody. And Jeez. so all his, it's sort of a similar kind of story. Like, well, she died, and then he sort of picked on female victims. And yeah, he starts going mental, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, apparently he was only convicted of one murder, though. Um, oh, The found, like, basically, the, like, the found all this shit in his, because he was by himself at this stage, because his yeah. brother died, which... They think he might have killed them, but they're not sure. But uh, when the, 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 there's someone missing, they've been last seen with him. So they, like, use that as evidence to, you know, turn up and arrest him. And then they found all these, like, I don't know, bits of skulls and everything. Yeah, in his like house. flesh. Yeah. Flesh yeah. lampshades. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And half of a, like, a human suit that had been constructing. Of, uh, like, particularly, like, it was all female. <laughs> like, <Jeez. you> know, <laughs> yeah, because it was another inspiration for Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, it was based like on that. Because he had masks. Yeah. And so, so. yeah. And as you said, Paul, lampshades made out of... Uh, um, human skin. I'm not, sure, yeah. I'm not sure it was lampshades. I think it was... I, I, maybe I've just imagined... No, no, no. Yeah, I think that, that is... Right. And I, I think he might have made a belt out of human nipples. He did, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. the only thing I read. And he had a, a box of... Oh, what would be the plural? Like vulva or something? Uh, he had a what, sorry? Vulvae. He had a box full of these... Uh, yeah, That's crazy. Vulvae? Vulvae. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> If you were thinking, right, I'm going to make myself a belt out of these guys, what part will I use? The nipples. (laughs) Why the nipples? Why the fucking nipples? I mean, (laughs) maybe you can cut the lights and put the the holes over the nipples. I don't know. Maybe maybe for like studs. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah, because There's, I mean, some not, people got their taste like. <laughs> they look fucking terrible. Not, oh. not, not to trivialise it, but how many people would you have to kill to make a belt of nipples? To have enough nipples to make a fucking belt? Yeah, like you, like thirty-six inches. Jesus. Well, it turned out thirty end, inches or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know. he hadn't killed all these people. He'd been robbing graves, like fresh. Oh, graves. Right, okay. Yeah, but he certainly killed some people. Oh, so that's, that's another chainsaw. Yeah. Thing you know, they rub or rob the graves at the kind of film. But like that's what what reminded me of uh, Donald when I was watching it was apparently like he was sort of he was quite intelligent and quite well. Apparently he was insane, but he was also kind of emotionally aware as well. So that's why he didn't kill all of these people. He thought it was better to go to the graves to fulfill his needs. Right. 
kind of thing, if that makes any sense. Because you're kind of like an, a, 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 a tiny bit of, yeah, kind of guilt and not, not t- taking a life as wrong kind of thing. Right. Because I went down, like, because once I started reading about him, because it was on Wikipedia, I started, like, getting into other serial killers and yeah. stuff. And I saw an interview with, like, it was um, Ted Bundy's lawyer at the time. And he said that he asked him, or, well, no, it's our, Ted Bundy just came out with this, actually. Um, he, he said that he wanted to be good, but he wasn't. And that was, Whoa. Yeah, so it was just this insane psychopath, and he knew he was. But, but, he, could, but he couldn't do anything about it? Couldn't, yeah. <laughs> was Bundy yeah. the one that, like, America sort of fell in love with. He was yeah, like yeah. the guy, sort of poster boy for supposedly really charming, and yeah. he represented himself in court. Yeah, and apparently he just knew the legal system inside and out. He knew all the ways of delaying things, and apparently the judge after the case said it would have been an honor to to have worked with him because he was because he <laughs> yeah. he was so intelligent and he knew the legal processes so well that if he'd been he would have been a fucking great lawyer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing a seeing some documentary about him and uh, there's the talking about the thing that you know the time when he broke it, escaped from prison and broke into a sorority house and uh, the documentary of course went this is the one thing they didn't want to happen this is the one thing yeah. <laughs> I think it was in Brass Eye they launched a paedophile into space <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. but the child gets on board <laughs> yes, this is the one thing we didn't want to happen Um yeah, another tidbit is uh, apparently Debbie Harry thinks that she was approached by Ted Bundy. Oh, yeah? Okay. I'm feeling I might have said that in a previous episode. But, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, good. Right. It's strange, all these these things. Because, like, once I kind of got on that train of reading about serial colours, I, yeah, I eventually came across Manson. And I, I didn't realise he was, like, mates with Brian Molson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was, like, yeah, he was, like, he, he was, a, he he was the sixth while, beach like, boy like, for a while, yeah, wasn't he? he, he did seven thing sing for them live, but he was kind of that kind of shit. I think. Yeah, I'm crazy. But apparently, like Brian Wilson lost. It was like a hundred grand. Because basically, Manson and well, for want of a better term, his harem like kind of came with him. Yeah, and he lost this hundred grand because he had to treat them all for, for gonorrhea. <laughs> and they also smashed up his car by accident because yeah. like, they borrowed it and dragged it into yeah. a wall or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But then because of Brian Wilson that's how they got well, not introduced, but the sort of the knew the people that lived in the house before Polanski and Tate's right, yeah. up there. So they knew the people of that house and then they moved away and Polanski came in. Yeah. So it's all these weird links well, and Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing a weird like uh, made for T V sort of biopic of the of the Beach Boys and uh, <coughs> one scene where Dennis Dennis Wilson comes home and he like goes into his house and there's all people there and he's like who the hell are you and he goes hi I'm Charlie I'm Charlie Manson and then the next scene is just wow that Manson he sure stiffed us and that's it <laughs> he's totally <laughs> totally gloss over it <laughs> but uh, I had to go do some reading to find out what happened who was that other guy Wayne Gacy wasn't he the, 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 the clown yeah. John, John Wayne Gacy was, yeah was it John Wayne Gacy or was that the name was that the name of the Marlon Marlon Manson oh maybe guy because <laughs> no it's definitely that's John Five isn't it I think the name of the guitarist or something you no. think enough? oh no no the, the guitarist is called Madonna Wayne Gacy oh right, that's okay. what it is yeah, no, yeah. yeah John Wayne Gacy like, yeah you're right it's John Wayne Gacy yeah yeah there's a clip of him on YouTube like it's, it's he's like making cakes or something mm. it's really really weird and surreal watching this sort of serial killer show you how to make cakes I think it's like I could be wrong it's something like that anyway where he's doing something for kids anyway 
She wasn't, he was a clown. Yeah. I mean, That's like, crazy. Like, could you get any scarier? A, ser- a serial <laughs> know, killer yeah. who is also a clown at children's parties? <laughs> like, it's <laughs> yeah, creepy. Unbelievable. So, Do- I mean, Donnie kind of fits into that serial killer mold, doesn't he? Because on the outside, he's relatively normal, kind of quite timid, yeah, well-mannered guy. You know, he makes chamomile tea for his mum, even though she, you know. Burnt his arms to yeah. to shit. Keeps to himself. Keeps to himself. He wouldn't know. And then, you know, at night, abducts women and takes them to his secret lair and tortures them with a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely right. horrendous. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but that. Sorry, what were you going to say, Dee? Oh, I was just going to ask if it reminded you of any like other films, like when you were watching it. Like, did you get any vibes? Well, definitely Psycho, obviously. Yeah, I got Taxi Driver. Um, mm. Especially on the date, when he's, he sort of gives himself off the date, and he's really pleased about going on a date. And then yeah. and then he realises he's shit of being on a date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't talk to women. You reminded me of me in a disco. Like, I would just fucking hate that <laughs> yeah. environment. That's a, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't smash someone's head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was exactly my thing. It was like, if I was, go- you know, because his initial thing is, do you want to just go and see a film? And then Bobby's like, you know, the whole fucking... They are dynamite, man. So they they have to go. They have to go to this club, and just this really loud funk music and really annoying people. And he doesn't even have a drink. And just I just I've I've always hated that club atmosphere. So yeah, I completely completely sympathise with him. Yeah. <laughs> Apart in, from in, the... yeah, in, in that scene, if if, uh, if nothing else. But I, <laughs> yeah. I did kind of feel sorry for him though because obviously that brought back dramatic memories. Yeah, and I yeah. think he just lashed out. Um, but, that's I think that's uh, maybe where I started feeling sorry for him again at the beginning. Like obviously it's at the beginning obviously you feel sorry for him before he kills anybody. But he's one of these strange characters where I mean normally if you're following a um, like I would say like a, a transgressive character um, and you're following him, but you still side with them even though you know they're appalling but with Donnie yeah like an anti-hero kind of yeah with Donnie it's hard yeah it's sort of hard to side with him after after the first 20 minutes for a long time yeah he does sort of win you around not win you around again but he does sort of like um, uh, yeah he does sort of Gain a bit of sympathy after a while, but um, there does come a, there there does come a point again where you where you're once again concerned for his well being. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, really, which yeah. is just weird. I think maybe that's obviously that's what, what Bobby's there to do. Bobby's there to um, yeah enforce that. And when the more Bobby is concerned for him, and the more actually when he after he goes to the priest, and when he then uh, asks Bobby to go to the cinema with him or something, and Bobby's like, "No, we're going to go partying." Then that's that's when I sort of feel really sorry for him because it's like he he is reaching out here, he's trying to stop. But yeah, because he does have a moment. He says, "You know, I'm 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 in a lot of trouble." Yeah. So like he yeah. knows that he's done wrong, and then yeah. you know. Um, yeah. But the, 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 I think the, the the bit where I feel sorry for him is is that line. Um, I I made you tea, you know, drink your tea because he's just, he's just a guy who yeah. lives with his mom and he's I know yeah. his mum's ill and he and he's come home and he and he's made her a wee cup of tea to, to help her sleep, you know, yeah. and then she's died and. He's genuinely distraught, and he doesn't want to believe it to the point where he's just like, "You know, I made you your tea. Drink your tea," and uh, I don't know. You, you gen- genuinely feel sorry for him, and then obviously, you know, <laughs> set someone on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting actually to uh, talk about that scene because, um, well, the first thing I noticed about that scene is 
the the actress playing the, the florist, she she is not going anywhere near mental enough yeah, to be convincing. Sure. She's kind of going, oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, when this guy's just come in with an asbestos suit and a flamethrower and is dousing her in petrol, mm, yeah. you'd be going fucking apeshit, wouldn't it? You'd be going, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But she's just kind of going. Oh. Maybe she had accepted her fate. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but the second thing is the, the way it was filmed, um, because I've heard Stephen Thrower talking about this, who is um, one of my favourite kind of genre journalists, and he actually interviewed jo- Joseph Ellison, and apparently that scene was filmed with, using like a, a, a prism. Right. So, so you've got um, on one side, you've got the the woman tied up, and she's kind of writhing and screaming. And then you've got the fire on the other side. Right, okay. And beca- yeah. the, the prism brings those two images uh, together okay. in the yeah. camera. Because it, it, it does make a weird effect, because it looks like the fire is sort of inside her yeah. at one point. Like, but. So, but, it, but the thing was that, like, because it was 1979, it, it was done in real time. So it wasn't like a, you know, like a post effect. It was done in real time. So, but apparently... Joseph Ellison was like he was setting up the shot and he had the actress all and the, and the and the flame going and he said right okay so you start writhing and then he said and then he was, he was about to call action and apparently he looked down the uh, <laughs> he looked down the uh, you know the, the 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 scope of the camera and apparently just that image um, was so shocking that he actually <laughs> he actually flinched away from the camera Jeez. and he couldn't actually look down yeah. the camera to call to call <laughs> action because it, it was really, so brittle. Yeah. Yeah. It is shocking. Like I, I don't think I was yeah. prepared for that because I was expecting like to use your word polish stocky kind of you know effect yeah. or that it might even just cut away. Yeah, but it was like quite effective. Like you know, yeah. just yeah. It was really yeah. kind of ooh, yeah. unsettles you because I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean it's. It's it's the only real real problematic scene, so you can you can kind of see well if if the initial kind of video submission to the BBFC was cut by three minutes. Yeah, I was wondering that. Myself. You can imagine the majority of that was probably just cut. Yeah, exactly. I mean, where where else would you cut from? Because there's nothing else in that. There's nothing else in that film that really no. I would think would warrant a cut. At all. No, so they must have just cut that scene altogether. I mean, what what they were worried about the. Kind of two central things they were worried about was um, imitation. So, um, for example, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or like something like the Toolbox Murders. They are making um, weapons out of ordinary tools and household appliances. So that was seen as bad, but also sexualized violence. So any any scene where, like, say, like blood spattering on a woman's breasts, that would mm-hmm. that would just complete no no, just immediately cut. Yeah. So unless there are there were other parts in the film. Where they felt that it was encouraging the viewer to 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 imitate what Donnie's doing, or that it was in any way sexualizing it. But other than that scene, yeah, I don't think there wasn't really I, anything else. I was I was sort of watching out this, um, for signs that it was sexualized, I and mean, it, it does. It's not clear that it is. You know, it's, it's not. It's, it's not really it sexualized. Like it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, he doesn't touch, doesn't, like, her, touch or, her or touch himself or anything. No, you know? no. I sort of wonder whether he sticks his hand back down the suit or something. But <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was kind of worried about. Like whenever it's um, 
when it cuts to that scene of you know in, in the steel room for the first time like yeah and you see her like she's completely naked and tied up i was a bit worried it was going to be something like that because it just for some reason it makes everything worse yeah yeah and just it's just awful well it was awful to sit through anyway but yeah so like that on top of it like you're going oh but then it turns out that he's not i don't think that's his interest at all no. no no sexual interest at all no he dresses him up like his mother as well yeah like, um, yeah, Which, that's I right. Mean, I suppose, in, in a Freudian perspective, is uh, arguably sexual anyway. But um, I don't yeah. know if that's the, that's really the case. I don't know if everybody would, every psychologist would agree with that. So, oh, whenever you guys first watched it, did did you not know that it was going to be about him flame throwing people? No, I did. Um, so, so, so whenever you so, Dave, whenever you saw the woman wake up and writhe, you had no idea what was about to happen to her. Well. When I started covering her in petrol, I was getting a kind yeah. of idea of what was going to happen. But no, apart from that, no. Really? So you were just going, yeah. oh my God, what's, well, what's going to happen here? I sort of purposely didn't read anything about it because ah. I just, I just, the only thing I knew about it was the title. Cool. And I went in with that perspective. Amazing. That must have been pretty fucking shocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was brutal. Because yeah. I, I knew, cause, because I'd kind of wanted to see it for years, I'd, I'd spend loads of time you know, reading about it and Googling it, so I just I basically knew exactly what the film was about. So I think there's always a problem with these things though like you know with all the video nasties <laughs> because they were banned you expect something incredibly shocking and then it turns out that it's not that shocking yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah. a lot of those films like, I, know. Um, I mean there are obviously I Spit in Your Grave Last House on the Left and Cannibal Holocaust and perhaps even Don't Go in the House but for every one of those there's you know like a bloody moon or something you know something just kind of camp and schlocky and well I was yeah. gonna say like I got Driller Killer vibes off it. No, I think it's just the way it was kind of like, but maybe it's just more because it's kind of grainy. Well, obviously, not all of it is, but the start of it kind of came across as quite grainy and that yeah. kind of very um, condensed, claustrophobic atmosphere. Hmm. Well, obviously, it goes outside at certain points, but when he's inside, it's all very centered on you know. What's there's going not much on. outside though. Yeah, and, um, and there's, there's 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 very little outside daytime stuff. Yeah. yeah, when it is outside, you're right. It is very grainy. There's one point where he's walking down. I think walking down by the harbour or, or along a pier or something like that's it's really grainy but like as you were saying earlier Paul some like fantastic shots in it like the yeah. fir- first time you see his house yeah like, yeah the way that's lit yeah. up I can't remember the cinematographer's name but like he's I think like he's the only one who's really had any success yeah so what did he do the most recent thing I've completely forgotten his name uh, he worked on like Anchorman 2 or something like that oh so right okay he's obviously yeah. in that sort of yeah camps. Yeah, like you know, he's got he got his foot through the door and ended up being successful. Whereas I don't yeah. think the director ever really did anything after. No, that. no, not, not that I know of. But um, and most of the cast seemed to uh, like I sort of clicked on a lot of the cast at random, and yeah, most of them didn't really seem to. Like even the main guy, like I mean, he just he was in The Sopranos, but like not yeah. even playing a, it was a main character. Yeah, <laughs> I think he maybe did a lot of. Uh, I think when I found him, he was doing an off Broadway play, wasn't he? Um, uh, yeah. So uh, maybe just pursued more stage stuff. But, uh. Yeah, so the DOP. The DOP was a guy called Oliver Wood. Who's, uh-huh. from, who's from London, England, actually. Oh, okay. uh, and he did the Bourne, the Bourne trilogy. Ah, oh, right. Face Off, Anchorman 2, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters <laughs> Unleashed, Freaky Friday, National Security... Loads of stuff, yeah. Yeah. Terminal Velocity, Sister Act 2. He did Die Hard 2 as well, didn't he? Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, <laughs> Die Hard 2, Miami Vice. So, 
He's done a bit for himself. He got his he got his start. Yeah, and then well, he well deserved. I thought he did a pretty good job. But um, like, what do you call him? Uh, Dan Grimaldi like kind of carries the film for the most part. I I found completely, yeah, completely, definitely. The the part where he's talking, the priest, the priest is awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. who did this to you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is, you mean your mother did this to you? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. They would be better with uh, just a big big paddy, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hello there, son. <laughs> Are you well? <laughs> and I, I was really disappointed, and outwardly disappointed in the priest because all all the priest says is, "But Donny, you must forgive those who've trespassed against you." And you think, "I know, Fuck yeah, you, mate. yeah, make it a point. Come to see me in my office, not right now, because obviously I'm going to do something else." But yeah. is that not kind of the Catholic Church's line towards all the pedophile stuff? Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, good point. Brush it under the carpet, I suppose. You know, we should um, forgive and forget. <laughs> I mean, like his his. Initial reaction isn't Jesus Christ. Only that is that is horrendous. You 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 need to seek professional help because that is something like that you should not have kept to yourself. Um, so I, I'm going to get in touch with the counselor and we'll we'll hopefully sort something out for you and, and get you and get you seen too. Rather than just going, oh, but you've got to forget. Like you've got to forgive your mum. Uh, anyway, I, I'm away. Like I'll see I'll see you next week. Here's yeah. some holy water. Turn yourself out. <laughs> yeah. Even when Bobby comes to get him and is like, he really 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 need your help. And Bobby's obviously a stranger who's in extreme distress yeah. and. Uh, He's like, ah, really, <laughs> really? <laughs> ah. All right, hang on. And he slams the door on Bobby's face <laughs> when he goes to get his coat. Worst priest ever, Dick. He also said he didn't uh, like the devil wasn't real or something. Yeah, else, didn't, which is weird. Yeah, which I uh, didn't think priests really. It was like it's more of a concept. I, yeah. I would have thought that a Catholic priest would think the devil was definitely real. I got. I used, to, I used to get mixed messages when I was a kid. From mostly priests were always like, "Yeah, he was real." Some some teachers were in our, in our super Catholic school were like, "No, no, it's it's a concept." No, but uh, priests would be like, "No, no, 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 you gotta you gotta watch out for that fella. That's his that's <laughs> yeah. his his mo. He he but, wants you to think that because he was an angel, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think that. Uh, uh, what was he called? Lucifer. Lucifer yeah. So he was called Lucifer even when he was an angel. Yeah, the, the light bringer. Yeah, and then he he basically wants. He, I mean, I, I'm completely on Lucifer's side because God's a bit of a kind of tyrannous dictator, well, the, and, and Lucifer just Lucifer just basically says, yeah. "Look, can we can we all have a bit of power here?" And God goes, "No, now yeah. now you're you're fucking Satan for eternity." There's people that like uh, people said John Milton when he wrote Paradise Lost, yeah, that, um, said that by opening on by opening the whole uh, poem with Lucifer automatically put you on Lucifer's side like the way Hitchcock would if he opened with a, a burglar you put you on the burglar side you know yeah and so he um, he yeah you're, by by getting in the middle being in the middle of like all the stuff that's happening the, the demons you're automatically inside the demons and then they are then bringing bringing sort of consciousness to humanity and that's what yeah. you know they're bringing soul to yeah. humans rather than um, rather than just Blind naivety, which is yeah. It was actually that that opinion I just expressed is actually a result of reading Paradise Lost. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Because you read it and you, and you go, I'm completely on Lucifer's side. Oh, I was, yeah. It, it was a it was a very simple and civilized request to God, and God just gets yeah, like a dick. Fuck you. Yeah. Because <laughs> he didn't kill anyone in the Bible. God kills loads of people. Yeah, true. <laughs> in some pretty brutal ways. So. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, just just while we're on the priest, do you want to listen to that conversation the priest yeah. and Donny have? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Here we go. Do you believe in the devil? What kind of a question is that to ask a priest? Do you? Well, I believe in evil, yes, but not in the devil. But I've seen the devil. <laughs> no, it's in your mind, Donnie. The devil is only a symbol, a symbol of evil. Evil lives only if we let it. So you don't believe that it exists? No. It doesn't exist. Only if you want it to. You have all the answers. All the things you read in books. All the things you tell people. Look at these symbols. I was burned just like in hell. What is this? What happened to your arms? It was the punishment for my sins. Who did this to you? Tell me. My mother. My mother. Help me. You mean your mother did this to you? But why? Because I was evil. I was born from an evil deed. She was burning it out of me to save me. If I was bad, she'd burn me. If I had evil thoughts, she would burn me. Do you understand me? But Donnie, you must forgive those who have trespassed. You must forgive your mother. One of the things that I was actually um, wanted to say, because I, I think it's a really interesting story, um, just when we were talking about Stephen Thrower there, because he interviewed jo- Joseph Ellison, and it's kind of quite, quite a funny anecdote. Um, in When it was kind of doing the indie circuit, because it was released around the same time as uh, Friday the 13th, it actually played alongside Friday the 13th in quite a lot of cinemas, like kind of like the Grindhouse cinemas. Yeah. And so um, Ellison was kind of went along to a screening to see... Um, how the film was going down, and he said he was going. It was he went to the cinema, and it was playing uh, in a different room at the same time as um, Friday the Thirteenth. And he said he went in to Friday the Thirteenth, and everyone was like, you know, jumping from their seat, popcorn going everywhere, and everyone's screaming and laughing and hugging their dates and you know shouting in the aisles and just complete you know chaos and everyone having fun. And he said <laughs> he went across the the hallway to. Don't go in the house, and I said it was just utter silence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think, I think that says it all, really, doesn't it? Because like a yeah. lot of people who hate horror films would just would group the two, those two films in the same in the same in the same um, category. But yeah, but for someone who kind of watches horror films, we can kind of see that Friday the Thirteenth. There is a kind of you can tell it's supposed to be fun. It's yeah. supposed to be kind of scary, fun, gory horror. But there's almost a kind of ill-meaning undertone to Don't Go in the House. Yeah. It's almost a bit... It's Well, first of all, it's very downbeat, isn't it? It's like it's, it's like a study in in the effects of child abuse, yeah. which isn't something you could really laugh in the aisles about. Like. Yeah, um, and it's all kind of dark and grey, and if, if you look around the house that he's in, the house is all old, and there's wallpaper peeling, because it's obviously just an old house that they've filmed in. It's a low-budget production. It's not like it's a set or anything. And it, it just looks old and tired and drab, and I yeah. think that really kind of adds and to. It's, it's very, very sort of like New Jersey ish, New New Yorkish, like late seventies, 
whereas uh, Freddy is very sort of California almost is it California I can't remember, I can't remember where it's at but it feels very like uh, West Coasty. it feels very yeah sort of fun and like yeah. sunny and yeah, yeah. Well, it's also like it's more kind of laden in reality like I mean whereas Friday the 13th is it's not it's about this yeah. guy that just keeps coming and coming you can't stop him whereas this is like it's you know we kind of feel like this could actually happen next door yeah but yeah. like at that time I think anyway that sort of you know era of history that's what I, yeah yeah like you like it's more of a betrayal like as Paul was in there like a well obviously what can what the effects of child abuse can be but like it's a betrayal of like this guy's sort of slow descent into madness like you know <laughs> He is like a psychotic yeah. schizophrenic. Like, yeah, it would have been not too long after the Son of Sam killers. Was that seventy seven? I think it was. was it? Yeah, but so it's, it's something I like associate with like the eighties as well. For some reason, serial killers in general. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I think it was. You know, you've kind of there are kind of moments in history. So so at the moment, the big thing is uh, Islamic terrorists in the eighties in England. It would have been Irish terrorists. Yeah. So there's always a kind of, there's always some something out there that's going to get the public, which can you know makes us all kind of scared and you know not questioning things. And in the eighties, it was um, satanic cults and serial killers. Like I just just basically through kind of watching horror films and then reading about them. Like apparently, like in the kind of seventies and eighties, like the fear of satanic cults was just huge. Yeah. People yeah. thought, and obviously, certain people thought that. Satan is real and the devil does exist, so it's not it's not just a bunch of kids sacrificing a woman, and that's horrendous enough. But people genuinely thought that they were like Satan worshippers and that Satan was appearing and stuff. I was kind of like associated with living in massive cities because everyone's alien to you. Like you know, you yeah. don't know who people yeah, are. Like you know, if if you go through a city, you don't say hello to everybody. Like you pass because you just you know you lose your voice eventually if you kept yeah. going. Um, whereas and it's like a total you, know, you get your pocket picked in ten seconds. <laughs> um, but like I was, I went to say it was a comedian called Simon Monnery ages ago, and he was kind of doing a sketch about all this stuff. But it kind of like it was kind of based in reality, where he lived in a city all his life, and he finally moved to the country, and it was a completely different experience. Because when you walk past someone in the middle of the road in the country, you kind of say hello to them because yeah. like, you're not like it would just be a bit weird if you didn't. But in the city, you just don't, because everyone is just like a mindless, like, I don't know, carcass, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, true. But so it's it's more that fear of just like, you know, what's going on in all these people's heads. And if I go out late at night, am I going to make it home? <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. So that's like, and I think it, pre- it sort of feeds into that fear. And that that's maybe why these films became quite big, like slasher films. Like, especially ones based in the city, anyway. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, those kind of homegrown slasher films, it's kind of the start where horror stops being about Eastern European vampires and werewolves or, or aliens or monsters, and all of a sudden it's Amer- Americans, American yeah. citizens. Yeah. You know, so... Whereas, you know, horror audiences could go, that, that, that was a really scary film, but it's okay because... Dracula doesn't exist, and even if Dracula does exist, he's in he's in Romania. Whereas <laughs> Texas Chainsaw or you know a film like this, it's like the guy next door to you could be 
making chairs out of human bones and storing bodies and, in his freezer. And look at how he got all the, the victims as well. I mean, look, the first the florist, he offered her left home when she missed her bus, and then the girl whose car had broken down, and then another girl. He, you assume he just he just jumped outside a, a supermarket. Yeah, because he because he stops her in the petrol station. Uh, do you remember? And he says, "Can I give you a ride home?" And then she says, "No." Oh, then, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, aye, yeah, same girl, yeah, so he must just jump her outside, yeah. And um, and then the final two potential victims, he uh, are just hitchhiking outside of a bar, you know. It's, it's just, it's very, very, very normal, normal stuff, you know. There's nothing yeah. nothing out there, there's just a, a normal course of events. Mm-hmm. You know? Completely, and like with the florist, um, he, like he's obviously been in and he's buying flowers for his mother, which is a nice thing to do. So whenever she comes out and she misses her bus and then there's those three guys that are obviously sleazing on her and if she hangs around any lo- any any longer they're probably going to do something, try and get her, yeah. try and rape her or something like that. Yeah. So whenever Donnie offers her a lift home, it's like, oh, this is my knight in shining armour. It's a nice normal guy who just wants to give me a lift home when he wants yeah. to stop off at his house and now he wants me to come in and see his mother and yeah. now he won't let me ring a taxi, which is a bit weird. <laughs> She's a bit hesitant about it, isn't she? Yeah, she doesn't you... want to and then she sees the three guys at the corner. Yeah. yeah. But I suppose in her head, it's the lesser of two evils, but it turns out not to be. No. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's anything but. <laughs> um, there's, the, there's a weird bit where he... When she's asking if she can phone a taxi, and uh, he says, "Are you asking my?" She asks him a couple of times, and then he says, "Are you asking for my permission?" Hmm. And then she says, "Yes, I am." And then he says, "Okay." And then he walks up. But it's, it's like there, there's a, a strange. I thought that was weird. Uh, it's a strange line, and then he has. I think. I think maybe. Do you get an echo of his mother saying something to him? Can't remember. As well, I think you might get an echo of his mother. So it must have been something that. Uh, that had affected him like in childhood that wasn't really explained but uh, it, uh, there, was some, there was definitely something about that line there was something weird something with him, you know? I kind of took it as because he wants women to be completely submissive yeah yeah he's basically saying yeah. well, well if, if if you're asking my permission as your master then yeah you can use the phone yeah there is that as well yeah I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but there was those sort of images of fear that are created by all that like um, I kind of like I went to see um, that film Pride that's out at the minute kind of brought it back to me a bit because like obviously it's kind of set in the 80s um, but there's a bit because like the theme of that film is it's about um, it's like lesbians and gays support the miners which was a group Uh who went down and gave like money to the miners strike but there's a bit where they're watching TV and I don't know if you guys have ever seen it's like a classic advert it would have been slightly before our time but it was about AIDS Right. You've probably seen it, like, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, shows yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But where it's, like, this really sort of threatening ad about, like, how AIDS is going to get everybody. Yeah. Um, but, like, it just instills fear within people. And yeah. I think it creates this idea of, you know, like, you can't, it can't be stopped and everybody has to be careful. And it doesn't help educate anyone. <laughs> so people are just, in turn, afraid of, say, well, in the like, in the film, you get the impression that normal people are just afraid of gay people because they don't know what they are they don't know what they do so if you come into contact with one of them you'll get infected by AIDS yeah Yeah. and I think that was a genuine belief by some people yeah I think so because of these ads as well that are just so fear inducing I I had like older relatives who still sort of so when I was a kid I remember like they maintained that and even when I was quite young I was like that doesn't seem right that doesn't seem like it makes (laughs) sense at all yeah but um 
I know, because like, it's, it's not like that as going, right, AIDS exists, but don't worry, it can't be passed through saliva or touch or the or the air, and all you need to do is, if you're having sex, wear a condom and have a regular check by the doctor, that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's this big, massive, isn't it like a big, isn't like the word AIDS yes. made out of concrete yeah. stone and just smashes <laughs> down, <Yeah>. AIDS! <laughs> And it's like that kind of metal sound as well, yeah. that, like resonates whenever it's, yeah, it strikes. And, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> it kind of feeds into all that, like, and then, sure, you see it happening. I think it was like, wasn't it with the whole, I actually think in the 90s was the pedophile thing, wasn't it? That yeah, was the big scare. Yeah, the 90s, early, Because yeah. anybody could be a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. And it, it did genuinely strike fear into the public, and then you had incidents where... Um, was it a paediatrician yeah, his yeah. house was attacked yeah stuff. people who had like paediatrician on the pillar outside their house yeah. as, <laughs> if, as if you would say paedophile yeah <laughs> and then, then that, that obviously led to that brass eye episode but but yeah like you have stuff like that and I think like these films kind of tap into that sort of general kind of yeah. feeling of society because like, like serial killers things once they hit the news I think it like people go into lockdown they go oh I don't know who I can trust anymore yeah mm. Yeah, because I mean, like, ser- serial killers—it's—it's it's not really a thing anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like when you still, think, they still obviously. Yeah, people are obviously exist, still doing know? it, but they're not called serial killers anymore. And um, and when you think of all the famous, for want of a better word, serial killers, it's all seventies and eighties. Yeah, yeah. Dahmer, Dahmer is over. Like, yeah. Bundy, Manson. Now you get your sort your Fritzels and your. Yeah, now it's kind of like serial kidnapping. Yeah, now it's kind of. I suppose Manson technically wasn't a serial killer. No, he didn't actually kill anyone, did he? No, no, he was like like a commander of mass murder. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) mass murder isn't what they say would be serial killer. Actually, Mm. how many people did they kill? I don't don't know. know. I think it was a few because I know they killed people at that house. Yeah, yeah, and there was maybe one or two other incidents, but I I don't know. I'm not. Not enough that I've been expert. Yeah, it's pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose it, I suppose the film does tap into that um, fear of the person next door, which I suppose I kind of attribute to that that era and in, in politics. You know, Thatcher and Reagan. It's you know everyone's out for themselves. There's no community. There's no society. Don't trust anyone. Yeah, you know, look closely at your neighbour. Trust no one. They might be the thing. <laughs> That's the tagline. Went. Yeah. No, I mean actually there was. Uh, there was probably something to be read into the fact that uh, Donnie was living in a, a mansion that uh, obviously looked looked amazing as you walk in, but the further you went into it, the more decrepit it became. You know, like mm. the paint was peeling off, and as the girl says, "God, you really need a paint job or something to those mm. um, the, that effect." And uh, yeah, that's probably maybe a, a sort of sly comment on the late 70s early 80s sort of economic poverty definitely sort of, um, I wonder why they have this big massive house I mean it'd be interesting to know what 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 the dad did yeah because yeah. the reason his mum burns him is because he was conceived out of wedlock that's what he, that's what he says to the yeah, priest he, yeah. say, he says I was I well, was, I, I was conceived I, by an evil deed. An evil deed. Yeah. So that could have been an affair. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe what he calls his mother isn't his real mother, or maybe, <coughs> maybe him, his mother and his dad had him before they were married. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it's something to do with that. Yeah. So it would be interesting to know. I mean, do we do we know that his dad's definitely dead? I don't know. That was, it was implied. I'm not uh, sure if it was made explicit. Well, uh, I could have just cleared off. 
could have yeah. scared off. Yeah. Never know. Maybe maybe she had an affair and then yeah. he buggered off. You, you do get the impression that it was something that it, there's some I can't remember exactly where, but there is somewhere where it, you do get the impression that it was something to do with fire. Uh, like he might have died in a fire mm. or something. Uh, really? I don't know. I I got that that impression that somewhere it was like it was maybe very subtly implied and it may have just been the way I took it. Mm. But um, I thought it wasn't immediately. It wasn't the first time you. You see Donnie as a child, it, it might have been somewhere later, or it might have even been him talking to the priest, but there was something that... Oh, that's interesting. ...implied something about fire. So just I, fire the whole way through the fucking... Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know, that that could be... You know, that could have been... I just might have taken that up wrong, or mm. I might have totally imagined that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing at one stage as well, though, wasn't that in sort of, like, the news and, like, maybe... <clears throat> well, not popular culture, but, like sort of the, the popular's mind that there was something wrong with single mothers yeah that's yeah. always been like a, a narrative kind of thing hasn't it for some reason it's even today it still is yeah I think it's yeah it is seen as a, there's, there's something wrong uh, with single mothers single yeah. mothers always get it don't they yeah, yeah. I, I mean like today they sort of use the sort of benefit uh, yeah. benefit scroungers kind of idea yeah, yeah. they're just having kids so they don't yeah. have to work yeah because it's easy having a kid yeah, okay. yeah. it's easy having a kid I mean you, you know, it's definitely it's definitely easier having nine children than just working in a shop yeah <laughs> and I should know I work in a shop yeah that's the thing like I mean because I'm like a, I'm, a, I'm a single fella that has like a nine to five job you say nine, nine children. Nine children. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's so it's I I can imagine it's a far easier life than having children and being unemployed. Like, yeah, I, I don't have yeah, any responsibilities totally. to other people. No, absolutely. apart from when I go to work and I have to do whatever it is. But even then, I don't really care about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If 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 you finish work and you want to go and eat a massive pizza and drink loads of beer, you yeah. can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can get drunk and fall asleep on the tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you see maybe that's all that Donnie really needed maybe like if he kind of got friends with Bobby before and he, he'd had someone to turn to when his mum did die and he did have a friend maybe maybe all of this just wouldn't have happened you know yeah, yeah. Um, I think the the implication is though that the seeds were sort of sown early like it, it was it was especially Especially the very the very end, um, yeah. When you see Michael, the the other child, the unrelated child, who's listening to the death of Donnie on the news, who's then being beaten by his mother, and the, the whispers start coming in, yeah. And uh, it's, it seems to be definitely a sort of morality tale about about child abuse. Yeah, yeah. but it's the the fact that it's the same voice because um, yeah, there there are there are other elements of kind of. It, it kind of verging into supernatural territory um, when for example uh, his mum the ghost of his mum kind of appears around the house yeah, shout, I mean, I, shouting I, at him I took that as uh, as like the sort of a telltale heart kind of uh, so it's just of, in his like, head it was just in his head until but until he sees a shadow at the very end but he sees a shadow but he sees her as well like you know yeah you know um, I'll get you Donald <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It, like it, I, th- I think uh, you know, the human mind is is capable of of creating a like a, a, a full hallucination of a, like a corpse. Yeah. Uh, if if it's capable of doing that, it's capable of. Uh, but they all get him at the shot. end. They all get him at the end, but he gets himself at the end. He just burns himself. Yeah. You know, he, he, I think he just imagines them coming to get him. 
Though that's what I thought anyway until uh, until Michael until the same voices haunted it's Michael. It's the exact same voice. But, mm. but is is that just a a narrative technique to say you know this is the same story repeating itself? You know this is. Uh, this just happens again and again and again. It's it's. Well, I kind of thought that was just like tacked on. Like that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I thought it was like that was the worst point of the film for me. When yeah, they added that bit on at the end. Like apart from that, I thought it was this kind of good betrayal of someone who's probably genuinely schizophrenic. Because I, I don't know if, if if you guys have ever seen like there's um these like clips uh, like there's videos anyway they're produced by certain um, like psychological charities and stuff like mm-hmm. what it's like to live with schizophrenia and no, that's no. that's what it reminded me of straight away you know the voices that he hears yeah yeah that like the that's their portrayal of it anyway like that's what schizophrenics live through mm-hmm. like these like just weird like it's not you can't make anything out you just it's it's I think like we off like um, off the podcast here we were talking about what it's like to be paranoid when you're very stoned <laughs> and this is that that's what it reminded me of when I watched these videos yeah. and that's sort of a brief glimpse into the mind of a schizophrenic that you're constantly paranoid about things yeah, so you yeah. may not actually hear the voices but you can hear something yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're not sure if it's directed at you or not Yeah, in that kind of way so I think that's what schizophrenics go through and I thought it was kind of a good ex- mm. like, it's a nice journey into that world you know in mm-hmm. The Guardian, the Saturday magazine, they often have like they'll have like a real life story, like I was kidnapped or I did this, and yeah. here's here's my story. What, struck by lightning. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. One, one of them was a guy who started hearing voices when he went into his teen teens, and I think initially the voices were very um, hostile and telling him to do horrible stuff and just kind of telling him how crap he was and things like that. And he he never actually got cured, but what what they eventually were able to do was make the voices no longer hostile. So he, as he was writing, he says, like, I still hear the voices today, but now the voices are my friend and they say nice things to me. Yeah. So it wasn't that, that he was ever able yeah. to get rid of them or that maybe necessarily he even wanted to get rid of them. All they did was just make the voices friendly. Nice. And, now, and now he's got this... this friend, this, this voice in his head that talks yeah. to him. Hmm. I, I remember hear, hearing this story. And I, it's my my friend's uncle apparently is a psychiatrist and um, the, the story has probably changed a little bit through through the, the telling, so it's not, not definitely accurate. But uh, her uncle's a psychiatrist and she said that one of his, his uh, patients had um, schizophrenia and used to have this like green we green man used to like come and like shouts things at him like in a scouse accent and used to like hurl insults at him and just tell him to do stuff and uh this guy apparently the patient just had no time for it and would just be like fuck off and just like would punch the guy <laughs> and like anytime the guy yeah like, came and told him to do something he'd be like go fuck yourself mate and he was like uh, scouse, i can't do scouse accent but he just like punch him in the face and that would be it and he just ignore him and he said he he had quite successfully lived with this guy for <clears throat> for you know 20 years and uh, had just yeah just used to punch him in the face <laughs> that was it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and I think eventually like it must get exhausting you know so eventually you had to get some sort of treatment um, to um, <laughs> to sort of like, I don't know like quell it but uh, yeah he 
I think it, it seems to be whatever his approach was, just like he was just very lucky. He just was able to ignore it. But and so the so the kind of punching and saying "fuck off" worked. It, it worked for him. I, I can't imagine. I imagine for ninety nine percent of of people who suffer the same thing, it wouldn't work. But for this guy, it just seemed to work. So, yeah, just that that, that act yeah. Yeah. Of, of his brain saying yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, just. just Total rejection of it. Fuck, it's so interesting. I think like this kind of taps into what you were talking about earlier, like when you were saying about how this was shown at the same time with you know, hol- or sorry, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, like this is more of a portrayal into someone's like, like <coughs> fragile mind to me. Like, yeah, you know, um, that's why it's a lot darker and it's it's a lot more grim in yeah. that respect. Whereas, like something like Friday the Thirteenth is, or sorry, yeah, um, it just is just mindless killings and there's not really yeah like, what, what little it's horrifying like you know yeah. it's, it's it is horrifying in a way yeah. because it's so graphic but it's not quite as I don't know well, psychologically uh, terrifying yeah. well in Fern of the 13th it's um, it's you know like a, like a mother who is bereaved who's gr- grieving over the loss of her her only child who mm. was already um, you know, kind of physically and mentally disabled, and who was drowned because camp counselors didn't give a didn't give a shit. So then she goes on a rampage and kills everyone, and then you kind of find that out. And then, <clears throat> without the kind of shock, as we were saying about um, Carrie, without the kind of shock, you know, post Carrie ending, you know, if you watched Friday that, if you watched Friday the Thirteenth, you would take it that Jason was dead, and that Jason doesn't actually exist, and Jason's just in. Pamela Voorhees' head, but then obviously the 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 ending when um when he jumps out uh of the, of the lake at the very end um kind of ruins that because it kind of says oh no Jason is actually alive and then obviously he comes back in part two, but um yeah so there is a kind of kind of psychological element to Friday the Thirteenth, but I see what you're saying it it's not actually it's not really that that central to the plot because essentially. Essentially, Friday the Thirteenth is a kind of Mario Bava kind of slasher ripoff. Yeah, it, um, I mean, it, <clears throat> it it has psychological basis, but it it doesn't really really go into any sort of real depth. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, trauma and revenge, but that's, that's about it. Yeah. That's it. Like, would you say, like, would you would, would you class Don't Go in the House as a slasher film? Would you say it was a no, slasher? No, I wouldn't. No, no, I uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, like. <clears throat> I mean, there's kind of elements of revenge. He he picks up strange women. Yeah, but I mean, like uh, the I think with the slasher film, uh, the slasher film is is uh, sort of punctuated with with killings, with slashings, or with you know with murders. You know, but uh, this isn't. This is this has all its murder up front, and then afterwards is like just a the crime of punishment. Actually, it's uh, it's uh, just a guy who commits a murder and then is. Or maybe a couple of murders, and then or a few, three murders, and then is uh, tortured the rest of the way through the the plot. You know, it's the, all, yeah. all all the actual violence happens early on, and then mm. the rest yeah. of the way through, he's just uh, just dealing with his own psyche. But like, it's interesting, like, kind of considering you know how how one should classify a slasher film because the uh, Hysteria Continues podcast, which is which just solely focuses on slasher films. One episode they did Predator. Oh yeah. Because they kind of said, let's let's see whether or not we can say that Predator is a slasher film. Right. And Predator kind of is a slasher film. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a, a, it's a group uh, of people. An, an alien, uh, yeah, a group of people who are lost. 
don't know where they're going, and then this unseen killer is picking them off one by one until yeah. one is left. Mm. Yeah, could you throw alien into that then? I know, or Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Jaws. Jaws, yeah. yeah. Same formula, yeah. Yeah. This doesn't go by the same formula at all. Though. D, um, D, would you say Don't Go in the House is a slasher film? Um, I, don't, I don't think it resonated with me as much in the way I think of classical slashers. But I, I think I think of classical slashers in terms of your constantly expecting to see a killing you know in the next five minutes obviously that doesn't happen but like you know what I mean yeah like, you gotta keep it going inevitable feeling whereas mm-hmm. there's that one scene where the woman gets burned or tortured and then everything else just is off camera for the most part I just thought it was more well, that's why it reminded me of the driller killer because it's more of a journey into that man's mind than yeah. more than anything else or like Henry or Henry yeah portrait yeah but I suppose like there's something more violent about Henry it's, yeah, I know you don't see the killings, but you see the aftermath. Mm. Yeah, I know you see the aftermath as well, and don't go in the house, but it's not as graphic for some reason. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting actually reading the uh, BBFC case study on on what what on, on how it was treated by the BBFC over the years. Um, Henry Porter was serial killer because it was the BBFC had major major problems with that film, um, for obvious reasons really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so um, it's, it's actually available on the BBFC website. Um, there's kind of like a case studies section, and you can view various examiners' notes. And the uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer timeline is fascinating. Just seeing all the different stages it went through with the board. Yeah, um, I thought it was uh, like um, when I was researching "Don't Go in the House." Um, I think I came across that film Maniac. Yeah, you guys haven't seen. Oh it. yeah, no, I haven't seen. Last night, it's, yeah. quite, it's comparable. I don't want to like go over too much in case we do it in the future, but it's very similar in theme. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it goes down a different path because it's definitely. I would say that's definitely a slasher. Yeah, because there's just you're just waiting for the next violent <laughs> yeah killing to happen. Like it is just brutal assault after brutal assault. <laughs> but like when I was watching to go in the house and then watch Maniac at the time, I was going these. They're different films in a way as well. It's it's all very yeah. similar, but the tone is kind of different. Um, I just got the impression, and maybe if we do this in the future, you might you might think this as well. But I just got the impression it was killing and violent deaths for the sake of it. Yeah. Whereas don't go in the house. You don't really get that impression. No, no, no. No, like they have that one shock, shock yeah. set piece, which everyone remembers. And then the rest of it's just off screen, and then dwelling on his descent of madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I suppose maybe it, it it doesn't fit into the slasher genre, but it does by virtue of its title fit into all the other don't films. And I kind of made a list of all the different don't films that I could think of. And yeah, they all kind of kind of came out at the same time period. Really, I don't know what what this fascination was with don't, but um, it was don't go in the woods alone. Have you guys seen that? No. no. It's quite a kind of mad mountain man who kills <laughs> loads of ramblers. I might actually... It's brilliant. I might have seen it. It's hilarious. <laughs> Don't answer the phone. I've heard of it. But, uh, yeah. which, I, which I haven't seen, but apparently that's quite nasty. Quite misogynistic and nasty. Don't go near the park. Yeah, which we it. talked about because yeah. Linnea Quigley, Quigley... Oh, wait, have I seen oh, yeah. that? Is in that. Return of the Love and Death. Yeah, and yeah. Night of the Demons. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't think I have seen it. No, I think I'm, I'm going back to the house by the cemetery. Ah, uh, okay. No, I have seen it. I have seen it. Yeah. Don't go. I mean, you might not have seen it. Don't don't go near the park. Is the, the it was, no? It was on that. Uh, it was uh, a video nasty. It was on that documentary that um, 
what do you call him, legal gentleman, made Mark Yeah, oh, yeah. wasn't it in that? I think I don't know. It was in some I only saw his kind of Hammer Amicus oh, okay. version of that, yeah. but um, no, it's the the couple who are sentenced to perpetual dying but never death. Oh, no. And every like millennia, they have to kill a virgin. I think <laughs> right. No, um, but <laughs> one of them ends up marrying Linnea Quigley's character and having a kid, and then um, like it was weird because it was it was it was sold as a kind of slasher zombie film, but it's not. It's yeah. just fucking batshit yeah. crazy. <laughs> then there's Don't Go Out at Night, <clears throat> which was the UK video title of Night of the Seagulls, which was the fourth instalment in Mano <laughs> yeah. um, de Asario's Blind Dead trilogy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, don't open the window was the US title for Manchester Morgue. Oh, excellent! Don't be afraid of the dark, mm-hmm. um, which was a quite recent one, wasn't it? Your man, yeah, Del Toro. Yeah, yeah. And then there was Don't, which was one of the uh, N.I. Roth, Quentin Tarantino, one of the fake trailers. Yeah. So they obviously, you know, it was a bit of a tribute. Tar- well, Tarantino Tar- said it's one of his favorite films. Don't, what? It? Don't go in the house. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's that's he right. Actually, screened it. Um, yeah. A, a personal a Tarantino fest or something. Exactly, and and you know Tarantino has been been pretty good at that because you know Don't Go in the House was essentially relegated to obscurity, but he's it was selected by him for the very first Quentin Tarantino Film Festival in Austin, Texas, in nineteen ninety six, and he he showed it, and he and and he's also kind of showed other films like I think one of the films he showed was uh, Filci's The Beyond, yeah, and before that you know in the kind of mid nineties you know Filci was. He'd maybe just died, or he was sick, and I don't think people really had to give him much credit, but, you know, Tarantino showed The Beyond, and everyone went mental, and now, obviously, The Beyond is one of the greatest horror films of all time. Yeah. So, yeah, good old Tarantino. That would perk you up if you were sick. What? Getting, uh, having your, your film being credited as one of the greatest horror films of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Didn't save him. He's still dead. I suppose he did a lot of... <laughs> He brought Django back to sort of like you know. Yeah, uh, and Jackie Brown. Yeah, Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because I, I like because I remember I fell in love with like spaghetti westerns and started sort of exploring. Was there any more of these things? And then finding Django. Yeah. And then a few years later, I got made into well, I got remade by Tarantino. Yeah. I don't know if it counts as a remake. Well, it's not really a remake. It just took the name. Yeah. <laughs> I like Inglorious yeah. Bastards as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just, was it based on something? Yeah, there's a film called Inglorious Bastards. Actually, it was only other I started watching it when I fell asleep. I was really sick, so I didn't <laughs> hmm. uh, But uh, it's it's uh, it's just bastards uh, hmm. spelled spelled correctly. Oh, okay. And is it a similar premise? Uh, Nazi yeah, hunters. Vaguely, it, it's it's. Uh, I I can't really remember. It's like it's. I think I think, I think they're the Jewish brigade of. of um, uh, yeah, you were pretty sick last week. I'm I was really sick. Yeah. I, was yeah. <laughs> I don't really remember much. Um, I'd always wanted to see this movie, but the the other the other kind of Tarantino kind of grindhouse video nasty link I can think of is in Kill Bill, the first first part, when it flashes back to Uma Thurman has just been. Her wedding has obviously just been um, interrupted and everyone killed, and she's just lying there. And then they assume she's dead. Remember, remember that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. And one one of the cops says she's a little blood splattered angel. Uh, one, of, one of Tarantino's favorite films is the Blood Splattered Bride. 
so he's, he's, got, he's got these kind of um, you know ex- exploitation kind of indie horror references just peppered throughout yeah. his um, I mean uh, Re- Re- Reservoir Dogs kind of reminds you of um, um, those kind of um, exploitation films that were, that were kind of gangster films oh, I'm thinking of one it's the uh, The Executioner which I think is about two guys in suits going around shooting people um, and obviously Pulp Fiction is a yeah, throwback yeah. thing and he just kind of seems I mean he kind of seems to have spent his entire career just trying to remake the films that he loved from his, yeah. when he was a teenager yeah, yeah. but um, it's worked I mean I think he plays on nostalgia from his own yeah. life um, but it's sort of stuff yeah. if, if I had half the talents he had yeah I don't even have you know a tenth of it but yeah. you know what I mean like I would do it as well <laughs> I know, I, <laughs> yeah. that's what I think I, th- I think sorry no, like that, that's that's it. Like who, who, who wants who wants to create something that, or who doesn't want to create something that is is not just like a, a, a lovely tribute to what first inspired you or first moved mm-hmm. you. You know that that's what everybody wants to create. But uh, I mean, I suppose that's that's where people differ, and some people say like mm-hmm. you know that's that's where you you start. You know, originality starts when you break away from that. But. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I think uh, it would be immensely comforting to uh, to people to like pay tribute to all the things that first made you want to make something. Yeah, and I think it's incredibly comforting to watch because no, it's not comforting to watch. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 it is comforting. To watch I think it is. It, yeah, because okay, <laughs> like if you really, really love like seventies and eighties horror films, and you know, like the the, the the majority of films that I would consider my favorite films were films that were made before I was even born. Um, and so whenever you kind of as a kind of modern horror fa- fan you know when you're faced with kind of stuff coming out in the cinema that's just you know crap you know well not crap you know like remakes of other things and it's just done really really badly when Tarantino's kind of making films that are like 1970s horror films you can at least think well maybe this is what my my generation's horror output will be it won't, it won't be hostile and saw it'll be kind of that post well, as I call it, post-grindhouse, kind of post-modern, yeah. kind of grindhouse throwback cinema. I mean, do you remember in, in Death Proof, there, there's actually a scene, I think, where he fakes a a mistake in the reel, oh, where yeah, it kind yeah, of, like, yeah, it yeah, kind of fa- zips back and comes back forward again, and there's, like, you know, black spots yeah, and stuff, yeah. and that, that's all just added, yeah. it's obviously all digital. Right. I think like, Death Proof was the one I didn't like. Right. I think that was more... I got the impression he was starting to believe his own kind of hype in that respect. Yeah. Um, I think he kind of lost it, like, in, in a way. Because I think it kind of built from... I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here in other films, but, like, um, it kind of fed back to the Pulp Fiction stuff. Because remember, like, the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, and it was, like, people in a car talking shite about burgers. <clears throat> like, I, I sort of became engrossed in the whole thing I think yeah. most people did mm-hmm. but then I think he thought that was what made a good film and he started believing that himself that you can just do that all the time yeah mm-hmm. and to me that was what Death Proof was for the most part yeah. just it, people talking bollocks yeah because the problem <laughs> the the problem with, with Death Proof in that respect was there's a scene where the, the camera's scanning around the, the women and they're all having a conversation and it's about something banal like as you say burgers or whatever but the problem with that is that whenever you're watching a, a slasher film for the 70s the, the dialogue is often monosyllabic and 
you know, yeah. un- unrealistic and kind of it's quite badly written. Getting you to the next murder. <laughs> yeah, thing. whereas this is this is the ar- ar- kind of articulate, well written. Yeah. Thing and it just it's it kind of it jars it jars with this with what he's yeah, trying to do. Tank, you know, it's like it's almost like dirty realism, but it uh, with the Grindhouse movies is just dirty. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. So you can see why he why he liked to film like. Don't go in the house. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. actually that film Maniac, it's pretty much like that. It's just these horrible interludes between kills. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. you don't get invested in any of the characters at all. Yeah. I mean that's obviously why they got Tom Savini to do the makeup, you know, because yeah. after <laughs> after um Friday the thirteenth, really, everyone just thought, I want that guy. Mm-hmm. And Sean X Cunningham yeah. only, only wanted him because of Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. That was essentially what he was sold on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Well, I was kind of thinking as well. Do you think like well because I probably watched this in like sort of in tandem with Maniac, like it kind of engages the subject of evil as well, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, mm. it does actually. Yeah, and actually, kind of directly. Um, mm. uh, I think the priest does talk about Father Father, Father Gilligan or whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh, he uh, he does uh, address the. The problem of evil, like yeah. well, head on. Well, my like, well, what I took away from uh, "Don't Go in the House" was that it sort of opens up this world of maybe there isn't really such such a thing as like evil. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's certainly problems with this guy that were born into him from his early childhood. Whereas, like, I had a conversation with someone recently who genuinely believes that someone can be like evil. You know, yeah. For, Whereas I kind yeah. of like watching Maniac uh, alongside that gave me the impression that the filmmaker maybe believes that. It's a very similar theme. So you've yeah. got a guy who was abused by his mother, but there seems to be something else where he's just, this is, it's not necessarily yeah. been affected like that, but yeah. it's just, it's intrinsic to him. Like the, the, the idea actually almost the whole way through uh, Don't Go In The House, that when it does if you look at it through the perspective of the idea of evil is that yeah it, it, it doesn't agree with the idea that there is a, an idea like there is a, a solid evil like there is a, people are just evil like it's uh, this guy has been abused he's been mm. you know um, whatever uh, but uh, then at the very end when Michael the other child uh, is also abused uh the voices come to him is that suggesting that evil is a thing that like, yeah. the voices like the evil preys on the abused rather than spawns the abused you know or, or sp- yeah. evil is spawned by abuse you know that's that's, that's, that's maybe a cop out you know that's, that's what uh, I didn't like about the film yeah I see what you mean it kind of like, brought yeah. that back into it because I thought that this was a nice journey into this madman's mind yeah. and why he was like this maybe and but I think they're just indicating that everybody who gets abused might end up like this. Yeah, yeah. But I think they're, some like, people are just damaged. You know, they're like you know, they're susceptible yeah. to this sort of thing. <laughs> I think also the the ending. You have to kind of think um, a lot of these kind of things were probably tacked on in order that if if the film happened to do well, that they would have uh, a sequel. That, yeah, that they would yeah. have a sequel. You know, so I, I also thought the, the fact that he was called Michael, um, I didn't. I wasn't sure but I thought I mean it was 10 years after or not 10 years but what 6 years after uh, Halloween oh no, no like thought, a year like 2 years 
Was Halloween not 70? Oh, no, sorry, Halloween 77? 78. 78, okay, oh, well, there you go. And uh, then probably probably was completely separate, but uh, Michael's common name, but I sort of thought, like, could it be possible that they're trying to tie into the... <laughs> could it be? Trying to force yeah. their way into the, the Halloween is, franchise? The thing is that that could have easily been the case. You know, that, that could have easily been the case, and it could have easily been the, in the case that, that a distributor might have picked it up and picked that up and just called it Halloween 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Halloween 2 was made, obviously. Yeah. Because that's it was, wasn't uncommon for that at all for for films even even films made before a certain film would then yeah. be re-released as the sequel to that film yeah, yeah. so yeah. I think <coughs> I mean, for example I think I Spit in Your Grave was marketed in some territories possibly Japan as Last House on the Left Part 2 mm-hmm. um, so just a- any kind of way of, of linking in films and getting people to you know, yeah. to buy into them. I mean, the, the classic example is, you know, Phil Chi's Zombie Flesh Eaters, yeah. which was called Zombie 2 because Dawn of the Dead was called Zombie in Italy. Yeah. yeah it's weird, though. Like, I I always like, kind of think with people that actually went to see that, not go, here, hang on a second, what has this got to do with that other film? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's why that, that bit with the um, zombies... Um, going across the 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 bridge in Manhattan at the end of Zombie Flesh Eaters was that was added in okay. to, <laughs> to to yeah. to make it tie in with with Dawn yeah. of the Dead because yeah. the studio said you know this will make more money if we can kind of pretend it's a it's a sequel yeah. and and that was perfectly legal in Italy at the time we said in the last podcast that uh, Lu- Luigi Cozzi's contamination was sold as Alien Two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like the difference between Alien and contamination yeah. is just <laughs> Miles apart. I think we were talking about Troll and Troll 2 as well. Yeah. Yeah. The the Troll 2 element is fucking insane. Like, there's nothing in Troll 2. But, um. Didn't you say, uh, I think it was like, um, a guy we know, like Ian, you lived with him, Fleispo, he, like, met Romero and asked him about. Yeah. That thing. What did he say? Um, He, yeah, he he met Romero and asked him about Filchy calling. Zombie, what, what we what we in the UK know as zombie flesh eaters, why why Fulci called it zombie two, and I think he said something to the effect of I don't really want to talk about it. It was a long time ago, oh, right? Okay. And then I think Flashboy felt a bit. Oh, I shouldn't shit, have asked him. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. To touch the nerve there, I shouldn't shouldn't have asked him, because it was like he they'd gone to see some some screening. It was like the the premiere of Land of the Dead, I think, in in Glasgow, and. Um, the, you got to meet George Romero afterwards, and it was either oh my god, either a question or an autograph, <laughs> a question or a kiss. <laughs> and he chose a he chose a question, and unfortunately, he rang me and said, "What question should I ask George Romero?" And I said, <laughs> "Fuck sake, he rang you." <laughs> ask ask him what he ask him what he thought of Filchi uh, Filchi calling uh, zombie, zombie Flash either Zombie Zombie Two or Zombie Due. He could have asked him, "Would you? Would you? Do you want to come out for a beer?" <laughs> yeah, but he did. Any question? <laughs> so poor old Flyspo. I think I kind of, uh, yeah. Can you give me twenty more questions? <laughs> yeah, that's a genius response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep doing that. We could have asked him if he had sex with that intern. Just completely confused him. <laughs> Good old Romero. <laughs> See in my head for some reason I always picture Romero as like Stanley 
it's the way he gets on. <laughs> I think it's just because I've seen Stanley so much, like because he always has his cameos in Marvel films. Oh yeah, and like they're both similar in the way. Like I know they don't look exactly. No, they alike, do like they, yeah, they do look kind of like, similar. I think Romero has bigger glasses. Doesn't he? What the fuck is it with Romero's glasses? <laughs> I always picture him as like as actually Pope Francis. <laughs> I always think he looks like that. He doesn't. I don't think he does. Romero uh, was kind of cool back in the day. Was he? But uh, yeah, but now he just looks a bit weird. I just think in my head his mannerisms are all like Stanley. Yeah. yeah, just like the way he gets on in his films. It's always that same Stanley character and any cameo he has. And it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. It's just a tired <laughs> and boring. <though>. Yeah. <laughs> no, because he's he's at the start of Dawn of the Dead, isn't he? Him and his wife do a cameo mm. in the TV oh. studios. Yeah. I can't remember now. I wonder will we ever do a Romero film? Definitely, of course. We wanted to do one of the one of the dead, but I'd like to do Crazies or Martin or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually that's an interesting link as well. And the director was asked to work on the Crazies, but he couldn't. The director of what? Um, don't go in the house. Oh, yeah, really? Because of scheduling conflicts. Right. The, Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I would love to do the Crazies. Um, oh, I'd really love to do the Crazies or Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I know. <laughs> Day of the Dead would be great as well, actually. Yeah, the whole trilogy. Yeah, I always wondered if I preferred Day of the Dead. I'm not sure, though. It depends yeah. on my mood. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm always going to settle on Dawn of the Dead. I think I will, but the odd time you kind of think, ah, yeah. I don't know, maybe Day does clinch it. Mm. Day, Day is 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 scarier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a hallmark of a great trilogy. You know, it's like the yeah. Star Wars trilogy. It's It's debatable which is the best. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because there's more of a psychopathic element today. Like, it's more claustrophobic, know, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, in general, like, you know, that guy. Is he a general? I can't remember. Or is he a self-appointed? Yeah. Rhodes. Um, yeah. I'm assuming Rhodes. He reminds me of Mike Patton. You know, he looks like Bono. Yeah. I always get the Mike Patton thing off him. <laughs> so, Rhodes! <laughs> but, yeah, back, back to Don't Go In The House. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only tidbit I've got left is... Um, the actresses who played the Burns victims were dancers who were chosen because they were the same height as the actresses playing the victims but were slimmer oh, yeah. because yeah. when a human body is subjected to burns it shrinks due to loss of fluid and I I do have trouble imagining that Alison gave that much of a shit to go yeah. I'll get actors who are the same height but slightly slimmer because when the body combusts it loses oxygen or it loses uh, water yeah it seems strange it does seem strange it does bring up something we haven't really discussed and that I thought that was genuinely creepy the uh, the charred bodies yeah, yeah. they're just still for it the was done part. well yeah <laughs> it was uh, done really really well it, it opened up sort of opened a plot hole uh, in a way which is it's sort of irrelevant but um, uh, the fact that he keep keep bringing people into the house he brings people into the house and they never smell the decaying is decaying mother or uh, or the, the horrendous yeah, smell horrendous of... fucking smell of charred flesh. <laughs> yeah, which is obviously um, going to be lingering, I mean... Definitely, like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, have you ever done it? How do you know? Well, yeah, true. <laughs> you guys obviously know. <laughs> um, Shit. But yeah, just, just for the crack, do you want to listen to... Uh, I've got a clip of Donnie talking, telling the, the charred corpses off. Listen for to the it? crack, I do. Cool. <laughs> Did you hear me? Did you hear what I said? Don't you ever talk to me like that! Better. Don't make me do anything bad, Mother. 
together we didn't know each other but we think we watched uh, the same same movie and the same showing and uh, I remember watching Psycho in my friend's house staying up really late to watch Psycho uh, and uh, it was a season it was the start of a season on horror movies on BBC 2 and uh, it was Friday night and I was maybe 12 uh, probably no older than 12 yeah I was in the Scouts so he was in the Scouts <laughs> and I, I wasn't because because uh, it's the Scouts and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, how would that have gone down in North Belfast <laughs> been kneecapped for 12 year old kneecappings going on uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah they, they showed a clip from Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. which we were just saying and uh, it was absolutely fucking brutal and it was absolutely terrifying and it totally totally captured every every inch of my imagination and Psycho afterwards couldn't quite live up to it. That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point because they, they, they talked about Ed Gein. They did talk about Ed Gein. And how he had inspired Psycho and That was the documentary where, where they had the lampshades and stuff like that. They yeah. Full, they gave a full hour to that yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah. but I, I seem to remember they, they had a representative from the Ed Gein fan club. <laughs> my, That's a fan club. My, That's nuts. Yeah, that, that, that could be true. The I'm concept sure. of an Ed Gein fan club, <laughs> I I have issues with that. It might be like Ed Gein researchers <laughs> fan club. They're, they're, I, yeah. I can imagine there are people that like that still research the Ed Gein case. But yeah. there's a lot of like literature um, devoted towards serial killers in general. Like you know, yeah, yeah but totally. and there's yeah, obsessive yeah. stuff about them. And people yeah, but to pronounce yourself a fan, but people do revere them. Yeah, like, you know, people do. People people write to them in prison. I mean, there's like there was a book of um, uh, the. Um, it was a book of letters that uh, were written to Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. Um, That's another w- women had, had just written all these love letters to Richard Ramirez, and somebody had started writing. Somebody wrote a book. Um, what do you call him? I can't remember his name. He wrote a book uh, about the about Richard Ramirez, and then he was going to write another book just about the letters, but ended up writing a book about all these women that were just like totally obsessed by. Richard Ramirez because he's such a such a bad boy because he's a fucking like brutal murderer but um, he's like when you see photos of him he just looks like this sort of normal teenager I guess like he's not he's not ugly he's kind of got like proper bone structure and everything so you can see him being attractive to females and I think that's what a lot of people see and they they sort of see this personality like and I don't think they associate that with brutality of what he did yeah mm-hmm. it's the same with Ted Bundy as well like Ted Bundy yeah. is this like um, 
like we discussed this earlier, was very charming. And because he was televised, like, because all, like, yeah, that's the weird real, thing about yeah. America. Like, they, they record their court cases, show them on TV. <clears throat> yes, exactly. And you see this guy in this normal, sterile environment where there's no murder or any trace of what he ever did. But you see him, this intelligent, not like, well, not ugly man, sort of normally good looking, mm-hmm. just because there's nothing wrong with him. He's perfectly normal looking. And he's very charming, like, is able to charm the jury. Kind of people just see that and are enticed by it, like, you know. It's yeah, and it's explored really well in Natural Born Killers. Yeah, yeah I still yeah. haven't seen that film. Because, like, a lot of people, when I, when that came out, a lot of people went, it just completely, uh, it just completely glorifies uh, uh, serial killers. And you're like, it doesn't glorify serial killers, it's slagging you, you people like you off for glorifying serial <laughs> yeah. killers because of the media frenzy and this whole, you know, that's what the film's about. It's not, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, again, that doesn't really happen anymore. You don't really get that. I mean, no, our, you don't get our, to see our, our serial killers yeah. now are like, you know. They're pe- fat and ugly. You know, people who <laughs> imprison women for 30 years in their in their basement or... Joseph Fritzl or German cannibals. You, you, yeah, you there's, don't. There's bound to still be serial killers out there. Like, yeah, there obviously, but but you don't get the same attention. Yeah, like we're not presented with this with this charismatic. Yeah. Remember that you know, a few years ago there was that guy. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of listeners will know his name, but uh, there was that guy in Canada who I think was he was an upstanding member of the community, but he kept murdering prostitutes, hmm. and uh, I think he was a pig farmer, and he kept turning the prostitutes into sausages and I think at one stage he invited the town around for a barbecue and I think he might have fed them prostitutes <laughs> sausages <laughs> prostitutes <laughs> sausages <laughs> fuck which is fucking horrendous uh, this is just maybe less than 10 years ago like. was that the guy who decapitated a woman on a greyhound bus that no there was a guy who de- was decap- that? decapitated familiar. a guy on a greyhound bus because that was Canada that, no, there was a, a guy who bloody Canadian guy. Literally, yeah, maybe it was his cousin. Um, <laughs> the last serial killer I remember was I think it was it was long enough ago that you were living in Glasgow, Ian. I remember going to visit you, um, but it was like there was a guy in England at the time, and yeah. they hadn't caught him yet. And it turned out he was born in Northern Ireland. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this guy? Yeah, I remember the, it was the guy who was calling prostitutes in the park. Yeah, and he was a tr- he yeah. drove a truck. He was a truck driver. You don't remember this, do you? Because I just remember going to visit It was around the same time. I, it was, it was it probably, was, actually, I think it was the same year as the, uh, or possibly, yeah, yeah, as the, the Canada guy. But yeah, yeah. So I just remember being on the news. Because like, I remember, because I was in the airport waiting, and there was nothing else to do, apart from watch silent TVs with, <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah. with Sky News on them. <laughs> <laughs> discuss hypothetical terrorists. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that guy, uh, that guy, he killed a, a load of prostitutes in in like the same park. Was it? I think it was the same park. Or uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, was it in the north of England? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. uh, it might have been in the north. It was in. Was it the? Was the one that famous one that Stuart Lee talks about with where Richard Littlejohn took qualms with a newspaper describing a woman as. Working yeah, as a prostitute, probably, oh, yeah, yeah. Probably and was. he said she yeah. wasn't working as a prostitute. She was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. That, that was around the. I mean, he he he. Little John's sort of like yeah. height of of uh, cuntishness. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. height of See, why do people like that? Ever get kidnapped and set alight? <laughs> Richard Little John. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants them. Yeah. 
<laughs> Nobody wants a little John. Um, I remember actually, my I think I might have talked about this in a previous podcast, but uh, my friend Neil was um, uh, during the, the Ripper case, um, or d- during the, the yeah Peter Sutcliffe sort of scare. Uh, all the women were given a curfew and told they had to stay inside bef- you know, before nine o'clock or something. And one, the one, the single like female member of parliament uh, in Yorkshire, or a single female, uh, possibly council member, I think it was, uh, said, uh, "Why not have a curfew on the males? Yeah. Have a, a male curfew and because uh, like instead of every female being a potential victim, why not every male be a potential <laughs> perpetrator?" Yeah, and uh, she was laughed at. So, of course. That's pathetic because it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. Like, yeah, it's like um, you know, telling women not to wear skimpy bikinis for fear of getting raped. Why yeah. don't you just maybe tell men not to rape people? Yeah, that's that's, exactly. probably, that's probably a better tack. You just almost literally tell men not to go around swinging their balls around after a yeah. you know. <laughs> no, now you women, be careful that you're not get, getting raped. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you women be getting raped now? Because <laughs> you know what you're like. <laughs> yeah. You're always you're always after getting raped, aren't you? <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> That's the mentality, though. Have you read Herodotus? The history. Of this, I mean, this, fuck, this is going totally off topic. Herodotus. I remember. Uh, I read the first when I first read Herodotus. The first chapter is like uh, all the women in Troy got got kidnapped, but they wanted to get kidnapped because women just want to get kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> So, that uh, goes, goes back a couple of a couple of thousand years. So, kind of speaking of this kind of thing, do you think that Dumbo in the House is misogynistic? Do you, like, do you think it's sexist? No, I think there's a lot of misogynistic characters in it. Uh, two misogynistic characters. Do you think it deals with misogynist? It does. I think it, I misogynism. I think misogynism is the uh, misogyny. Is the um, do you think it deals with with it responsibly enough that you could categorize it as? As actually a, a critique of misogyny, or do you think, or do you think it is just kind of like a, like a sleazy, a sleazy kind of? I, I think so. I, I think it it it, it does uh, take these misogynists and uh, make them abhorrent. And uh, there's uh, there's there are two two types of misogynists in there. There's the one who's like into punishing women, and there's the one who's into just uh, using women. And the one who's just into using women. Uh, I think is is quite clearly demonstrated to be a kind of shit father and uh, and also lead Donny sort of astray, but but at the same time he's also kind of the hero of it. So it's it's who is Bobby? Uh, Bobby, sort of the sub hero of it. So it's, yeah, it's really it may not be handled perfectly, but I think it's it's handled in a, a realistic way. You think it's handled, handled responsibly? Yeah, I think it's handled responsibly. Yeah, D. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Like I think, <clears throat> for the most part, it's not misogynistic. Um, especially like um, what I was reading afterwards, because apparently there was a lot of focus on it in that respect. But I don't think there is. I think that initially came from the first, well, the first uh, scene that involved a murder. You know, the the torture sort of uh, with by death by flame. But um, after that, I'm not entirely sure. I like it's difficult because your man Bobby. I don't. I don't know if his his actions are scrutinised enough. No. 
And especially with the scene in the nightclub, I think that's supposed to show um, part of like Donald's uh, like sort of madness in a way that he's not willing to engage with this potential, you know, sexual partner. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in that way, so that's why he's a weirdo, and instead he sets this woman on fire. <laughs> Whereas yeah. you think it's presenting Bobby I, as a normal, easygoing guy? I don't know. I, I think Bobby sort of comes off as a bit of a dick in Donnie's eyes. Um, in that case, I, I know, like, Bobby does try to help him, but, uh, and uh, Bobby does sort of get away scot-free, but at the same time, like, I think horror movies are used, or too often, you know, they're used as, like, you know, dissing, like, you know, will dish out morality here you know like uh, the consequences will always fit the you know the um the, the crime but uh and this it, it's not the case you know like bobby's immorality goes goes unpunished and sort of unaddressed but mm. i think it is it is questioned by donnie's sort of discomfort um i think it's uh it is yeah it's showing up for what it is and also when uh <clears throat> When Bobby is on the phone at home with his kids and his kids are all screaming and his wife, his wife as he puts on the phone, his wife shouts something at him about like coming to like sort of the kids and he just totally ignores her, you know. <laughs> and I think then you know like the audience always say, you know, this is this guy's a dick. This guy mm-hmm, yeah. for for the this guy might be beneficial to Donnie, but he's he's a total detriment mm-hmm. to to his his family life. You know? Yeah, because so, like the whole thing is like. He says, like, you know, like, I've, I've made all the phone calls. My wife thinks I'm working. My ass is covered. Yeah. And I just think, like, you know, like, if you're, if you're really that bothered about, you know, having a one-night stand and your ass being covered, just save your wife the bother of wasting ten yeah. years and then, <laughs> yeah. and then realizing that you're a cheating asshole and just fucking tell her the truth and just, you know, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, like, either, right, you've got a wife and two kids, so you're going to, you're going to, dedicate your life to that or else you're going to leave her and then go out and do your thing you can't fucking do both so like immediately as soon as that starts happening with the character Bobby I just immediately switch off and go this guy's a fucking dick yeah yeah no exactly you're right yeah um, but I, th- I think the, the, the viewer tends to do that you know mm-hmm. so I think the but what about the, the kind of homophobic comments at the starts, um, yeah. I can't, is there any other ones? I can't remember now. I don't think they come in later. There's the whole uh, faggot thing at the start, and there's a bit where um, Donnie says he he's the faggot, and then yeah. Bobby, Bobby says, well, "Like, yeah, you're probably right about that." The and fact the fact that at first I think that the, that they're used on the protagonist, I think, is uh, it sort of deflates them anyway, and then I think that he uses them back, but in such a weird such a, a strange like sort of desperate way yeah I think takes their power takes takes something from the power you know I, mm. I, I think it um, but especially given that it was made in 1979 it's not clear no it's not like, it's not clear whether or not the, the the film is recognizing that kind of attitude as yeah, a porn yeah I, I, I don't or, know if it is yeah or, wh- it, or whether it, it, it is actually acceptable to, to use that word and to consider gay people sick I, I got the I got the feeling though that when he when, when Donnie was like retracting with that sort of statement he, he didn't really know what he was talking about like a child would but yeah that, exactly I thought I was, I was sort gonna of say, naivety, like, yeah. that sort of like slagging someone off in that respect just reminded me of being a kid 
Yeah, like yeah, when, exactly. When you're a child, yeah. you, go, you call yeah. someone gay. Like, because you don't even, all meaning. Like, yeah, you yeah. don't even know what it is, but yeah. it's just a way of saying we shouldn't like that person. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You don't you don't associate it with anything. That's what it brought back to me. Yeah. With anything else because they were trading it back and forth going, no, I'm not the faggot he is. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but what's the film's intent? I mean, like, does the film yeah. responsibly yeah. recognise that, 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 that that's not acceptable? Or or is the film dated, and dated enough yeah. to think that it's okay to find yeah, there gay is, people weird? There is a... Uh, a character who may be gay as well, who's the... Um, the guy who fits his suit. Yeah, exactly. Who's a lovely guy. Who, who does seem like a nice... Well, actually, you can't tell if he's a lovely guy or if he's being disdainful. Yeah, I thought know. he might be being it's, disdainful. He's maybe a bit... You can't be sure if he's... He's maybe a bit snobby, but I do think he has Donnie's yeah, best interest at but, heart. But... At heart, or, you know, is it... I mean, obviously, like, he wants the money, like, he wants yeah. the sale. I don't know, like, if it, No? I don't want to, like be like this is gonna sound kind of xenophobic in a sense I guess but if you've been in an American shop that's the impression I got from most well like, okay you know, yeah true you're right yeah well yeah, that's, it's that's the, they're gonna be nice to you regardless of what yeah. you do to them like and it's they're gonna sell you everything that's my experience of American yeah. shops yeah, when yeah I've been you're in right yeah. it's because it's a tip based culture yeah that's what I mean as well they're gonna tell you that you look fucking fantastic yeah. in anything <laughs> yeah but he does kind of distinguish he says you know what's the suit for and he's like yeah. well and he finds out he's because he wants to impress a girl and he's like right okay well this is what we'll do and you know we like he, he probably talks him through it and it's nice yeah I'm, um, I'm not I'm not sure if that that comes down on any any sort of moral judgement on hmm. on homosexuality at all like in, in that particular circumstance, I think. Yeah, because it is actually. I inter- think it, it seems to be just sort of incidental. But do you think so? Because it, it is interesting that that he does deal with that kind of aspect of homophobia at the start of the film, and then he purposely puts in a kind of character who we assume is probably supposed to be gay because he's camp and he works in fashion. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so yeah. We, we kind of assume. Yeah. That, yeah. that that the but, but man do, is probably does gay. Does it make any sort of? But yeah, exactly. Does it make any judgment? Does yeah. it? Does it come down one side or the other, or does it just leave the entire thing open? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think in nineteen seventy nine, homosexuality was probably still illegal in America. Legal, so? but but uh, but uh, uh, I think you, I think you think it was legal in America in nineteen seventy nine. Legal, but I think uh, incredibly put upon. I think like. Uh, it would be like a scandal if you were a, yeah, pol- a politician well, I, I, or an I think, actor. Uh, yeah. I think like an incredible underclass of uh, right. Like uh, gays were really still still thought of as like uh, as yeah a, a, a villainous underclass. sexually deviant. Like what's in that film, Pride? I I kind of forgot that this happened in mainstream papers. Like um, I think like it it was broken at the time that. Um, the lesbians and gays that uh, support the minors, that group, um, that was leaked to the press that they were giving them money. And I think it was, was it in the sun? It was one of the tabloids anyway, where it said perverts support the minors. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. And that was like a main hit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, yeah. I know, I mean, I remember reading like a Sun article from the mid 80s. It was like someone, someone put it online and it was something like, um, Pedophiles, rapists, and gays. You know, it, it was like the like they who's worse. Yeah, like they were <laughs> yeah. they were kind of classed in the same group. Yeah, it's mental. Like, yeah, um, 
but then I suppose you like that's the thing I don't think like you realise how like mental it was like some of those things like even if you think to the classic headline gotcha you know from the Falklands yeah, yeah. The that's fucking mental <laughs> yeah, yeah I know yeah that, that always jarred me I, was, <laughs> I know but, I know <laughs> and then uh, whenever um, Murdoch and all those guys were arrested with a phone hacking scandal the uh, <laughs> the uh, private eye um, cover was them being led in handcuffs and the headline was gotcha that's <laughs> 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 cricket actually <laughs> There's also the, the classic, like, Hillsborough one as well. Like, Hillsborough's... Here I thought. You particularly enjoy that sticking to, sticking it to Murdoch headline? <laughs> Paul, Paul hates Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> he can edit that bit out. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Yeah, so what was the, the Hillsborough thing where they, where they said that the Liverpool fans were pissing on dead bodies? Wasn't yeah, that what essentially. It was? yeah. Yeah. Um, because Thatcher was mates with them and the police force at the time, which, like, there's been loads of inquiries into it now. It's like, uh, no need to go over it all. But it turns out the police were lying through their teeth because they fucked up, the security people fucked up, but they decided to blame it on the fans instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, said they were the ones that started the whole thing. Yeah. Really depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's really depressing. Why, why you can't buy the sun within like a hundred, hundred miles of yeah. Liverpool? I know. Which is why you kind of wonder why would Ed Medelband have his picture taken holding a picture of the sun? <laughs> but yeah. they all did it, didn't they? Like all the yeah, they all did the it. same photo. <laughs> they all did it, and you kind of think. Which I think that's a perfect example of politics. Yeah, they? like are you just completely, <laughs> completely unaware of the fact that you know? You're relying on the north of England and Scotland to secure votes, and yet you'll quite happily have a picture of yourself holding a copy of the fucking sun. Yeah. <laughs> right, we've, we've really straight off track here, lads. Um, the only other kind of tidbits I can think of was uh, Joseph Ellison apparently owned the pickup truck mm. that, that Donnie drives. That was Ellison's pickup truck. Dan Grimaldi still apparently owns the, the asbestos suit. Cool. He kept it. Class. And, uh, I imagine you use the burden local women put it in. Do you think so? Yeah, we do. <laughs> Most likely. The thing is, yeah, because I, I heard them. I, I haven't seen him do much else. He was in his <laughs> <laughs> So I imagine the rest of the time it's not burning. It's been over for a while, so. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I read that it's an asbestos suit, but is, is asbestos not horrendously toxic? It is, yeah. He's, which is why he's dead. Who? Uh, no, Dagmar, he's not. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, no, especially... He died in a mysterious fire. Was there charred, other charred bodies? Or <laughs> was it all female? <laughs> I was at a supermarket one time. Uh, it was like The Thing. It was, uh, or not The Thing, the... Uh, what is it, that Stephen King movie? Um, not The Thing, The Mist. Oh, The Mist. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I was in a supermarket and... Tesco in Glencormley one Did time. the mist happen to you? And uh, there was a, 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 a car yard uh, across the street that went on fire and uh, apparently their roof was all asbestos and all this asbestos smoke was like blowing into Tesco so they closed Tesco and everybody got locked in Tesco it was like it was like the 23rd of December and uh, <gasps> it, uh, everybody was going fucking oh mental. my god and, uh, was there a mad preacher woman? There, <laughs> <laughs> there was this one guy this one manager, young manager of uh, Tesco, uh, the police said, uh, 
if everybody wants to leave, they can leave by this door. And this guy opened the door, and all the smoke started coming, all the green smoke started coming in. And I went over to the guy, I was like, close that door. There's green smoke coming in here. This like, they said as asbestos, they said toxic, fucking close that door. And he's like, nope. They said, everybody wants to leave, they have to leave by this door. And I was like, well, <laughs> but they can just fucking leave. They can just come to this door. And like, no, they don't know where it is. They don't know where it is. And I was like, close the fucking door. The place is filling with green smoke. And he was like, nope, 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 nope. And eventually a policeman came over and was like, what the fuck are you doing? Close that fucking door. And he was like, oh, sorry, you're off of there. And I was like, I fucking told you. And he was like, this guy wanted me to keep it open. And I was like, fuck me. Fuck you, you're a dick. What a dick. <laughs> you're a dick. Right, it's on record now. <laughs> fuck me, like... Uh, <clears throat> But uh, anyway, we, so just, we didn't die, but we may yet. <laughs> you may yet. We may yet. You may get cancer yet. Maybe that's yeah. a brief... Is that the fifth forty? That'd be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it's a brief glimpse into what would actually happen if there was a zombie apocalypse or... Yeah. A, I know. Sort yeah. Of <laughs> people actually, you can see people actually stocking up on water. Everybody's walking around with like trolleys that were filled with the normal stuff, but a lot of water and uh, a lot of Whoa. tea bags and a lot of coffee. Tea and... Uh, the guys from Tesco were going around with all the useless shit like like fucking chopper chops <laughs> and uh, and uh, sherbet dips and stuff I always wonder cool. like if there was a situation like that like there was some sort of trouble like blackout where you were going to be stuck in this place for like say a month would there be some arsehole <laughs> you can't Definitely. take that stuff because it belongs to Tesco <laughs> oh you know that. there would be some jobs There's worth coming <laughs> Who would just be like that? Wouldn't they like some guy who's just waited his entire life to get to manager level in Tesco? Yeah. Well, I've worked in Tesco, and like the, the thing I always didn't get was uh, people that gave a shit about shoplifters. Yeah, who would yeah. go out of their way to run out of the store after shoplifters because there was people like that, like yeah. um, people who chased them and tried to robby tackle them and stuff. If I worked in Tesco's, I would actively encourage shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is on record if you ever go for a job <laughs> take it all their ball bags they don't pay tax just fucking take everything lads first time I worked in an off license uh, I, I got a shoplifter I, I followed them out of the store just like, just like I don't know what I, I meant to do here and uh, I followed them out of the store and then they turned around and they were like what are you going to do and I was like nothing <laughs> I, of course I'm not going to do anything yeah. and I was like thank you thank you for putting that out <laughs> I'll get on with my day <laughs> and I went back inside and then uh, I realised yeah that's, that's, uh, that's how the world works yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely walk in, walk in somewhere and intimidate somebody and you'll get everything for free <laughs> Tesco steals from farmers poor people steal from Tesco it's the circle of life yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah yeah don't go in the house um, don't go in Tesco don't yeah. go in the, <laughs> don't don't go go in the Tesco, Tesco. <laughs> and if you do don't say we didn't warn you <laughs> uh, yeah I think I'm kind of coming to the end of everything I have to say about don't go in the house yeah I've, I've run out of all my theme beer and uh, I'm drinking my punk IPA and we're also starting to get a bit drunk so yeah we're talking a lot of shit <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give my, my final review my marks out of 17 I'm going to give don't go in the house 16 out of 17 it's one of oh, my favourite really? films oh. I think it is I think it is a glorious 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 example of indie American exploitation cinema from a, a period that we will of which we will never see the like ever again and you know it's it, it's pretty brutal and there are certain people that I would never ever show this to 
um, because they would probably think I was weird for liking it, and that's kind of something you have to deal with as a horror fan. Um, but I think it de- it does deal with the subject matter responsibly, and it do- and it does something different because when you consider it, I mean, nineteen seventy nine, the slasher genre was just just starting, and you had films like you know. Friday the 13th and uh, He Knows You're Alone and all these kind of films and like, Terror Tree and all these films that were Prom Night, for example, that were kind of going off the back of, of Halloween and just kind of following that same kind of slasher genre um, formula. And this was a film that was kind of doing something different. Okay, there's elements of Psycho in it and things like that and obviously inspiration from people like Ed Gein and the kind of serial kill culture at the time. But I think it, it does try to do something different and it does succeed and and there's something ultimately iconic about that that image of Donny coming in with his suit and the and the flamethrower. It's just it's, there's just something about it. Um, and I think um, it's got obviously it's it's ludicrous, you know, kind of horrendous set piece. But beyond that, I think it does explore um, him very well, uh, the, uh, the 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 subject matter very well, but also the protagonist. Because if you watch a film like Halloween. You're almost kind of detached from um, from uh, Michael Myers. Um, he doesn't really become an anti-hero. You're aware of his background story and why he's doing what he's doing. You know, well, by the time Halloween Two comes along, anyway. Um, but you don't really ever feel feel very sorry for him. But you do feel sorry for um, Donnie, and I think that's a testament to Joseph Ellison, but also a testament to Dan Grimaldi because he does carry uh, the film. Um, to a large extent on his shoulders and as I said at the start of the podcast if he'd been shit the film would have flopped because it's resting on his shoulders and he carries it together it's got a good amount of creepiness to kind of counteract the kind of horrendous squeamish explicit violence there's kind of there's ghosts and there's charred bodies coming to life and there's you know uh, supernatural elements and um, yeah I think it's a class film I would give it 16 out of 17 and I would recommend anyone who is in any way coy or shy or scared of watching a film like that? That there are there are other elements to enjoy. So yeah, Young David. Um, yeah, but I don't don't know if I would rate it as highly as that. <laughs> like, um, I'm trying to remember what I gave other films, so it doesn't seem completely arbitrary. <laughs> I think you get, I think you might have given Cannibal Holocaust like fourteen or fifteen. It's not as good as Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust sort of scarred me for a while. Um, <laughs> I don't think Don't Go in the House would have done that to me. It was kind of disturbing, but not to the degree that Cannibal Holocaust was. Um, but I think it's a nice betrayal into the sort of mind of someone who's quite clearly damaged. Like, you know, he's he's not right in the head. Um, and that's why it reminded me of The Driller Killer. But, like, if anybody out there has seen The Driller Killer, it's sort of a very, very slow-paced uh, sort of ultimately boring film yeah I don't know if you'd agree but no one who I would uh, agree definitely um, but whereas this one it keeps the pace up a bit more it makes you a bit more sympathetic towards the character but it's also very very disturbing um, but I think it's is that more visceral I don't know um, if it's if it's a sympathetic element or it's the way it's displayed um, like in terms of like the charred bodies and that, that first scene as well I think that kind of sucks you in you know, where he torches the woman and that that effect you were talking about earlier with the the, the shot through the prism. Yeah. That's the that sort of like kind of straight away, like I was the rest of the film I was just 
pretty much taken aback by it. Like. Mm. But obviously you don't see the other killings, but after that, you don't need to. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that sets the mood. But it, I think one thing we didn't talk about, actually, was the dream sequences. Um, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. They were, uh, to me, they were quite amazing, actually. Um, the, the bit where he sees all these explosions on the beach. And then there's the yeah, scene. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Um, and then there's the bit where the charred bodies like pull them into these. Like, yeah, and the, it's amazing. I think that's like I think I maybe said this earlier. Like if this was done anywhere else, it would be seen as an art house film. Yeah, yeah but it comes back to the grindhouse stuff because it's just it was made in America and it was just relegated to. Yeah, yeah. where I think it's quite nicely shot, like all the sort of like scenes of the houses and everything like well the house even is is very well done but um if i have to go for a rating out of 17 um trying to think because i watched maniac the night after and it's better than maniac if i was going to give maniac a rating i'd give it like less than 10 so i'll go for 13 i think that'll be my do you know say that you thought maniac was better no, no, sorry. The, oh, do that's better than me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So thought you were to say, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Huh? I, uh, <clears throat> I think I would give. Don't go in the house. Fourteen. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, I ultimately enjoyed it. I, th- I think the cinematography is excellent, and uh, it's, the atmosphere is. Uh, it's, it's absolutely spot on. It, it, it continues to be a creepy, a creepy movie with uh, elements of serious despondency, serious uh, isolation, and and uh, and it's yeah. It it really really um it really hammers home the the idea of, of somebody that just a real lost person you know it, uh, it's somebody that falls through the cracks and is just friendless and can only can only ex- you know express themselves in a really fucking horrific way you know and it's terrible it's a terrible terrible movie uh, in, a, in a sense but uh, but not in <clears throat> not in the sense of quality but uh, yeah, I, I think I think it, it's it's an achievement. Uh, it uh, does very well, and it uh, yeah, it's 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 underrated. It's uh, hmm. Not many people know about it, really, do they? No, something shouldn't be forgotten. It drives home a, a, a good few serious messages, but at the same time, it's just a, a very well made, very well shot movie mm. that. Uh, that has you know, a, lot, a lot going for it, and it's it's brutal uh, to begin with, but it 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 levels out, you know. Yeah, and I think Arrow were right to go for the. Um, <laughs> I think Arrow were, were right to go for the for the most recent um, submission to the BBFC, and obviously, obviously, it was just without question the BBFC were gonna we're gonna pass it uncut because there's just there's things like human centipede or two, yeah. you know. <laughs> And something like Don't Go in the House just fucking pales in comparison to that. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, uh, Don't Go in the House wasn't wasn't actually prosecuted and banned as a video nasty. It was one of the ones that was acquitted. 
I think because the distributor had uh, assured that um, they would only distribute the um, because it did it did get an X certificate as we said for theatrical classification. So the distributors obviously just said, "Look, don't worry about it. We're only we're going to distribute the BBFC version, um, even though they weren't legally required to." So that's why it wasn't. Um, that's why it wasn't. Um, that's why it was eventually eventually dropped. Um, so unlike Cannibal Holocaust or something like that, the BBFC didn't actually have to take into account things like obscenity laws or you know prosecutions under obscenity laws. So that's why it kind of passed through quite easily. Whereas films like Cannibal Holocaust are still uh, unavailable, uncut. Um, so it's just interesting in that that respect because it's pretty brutal, pretty yeah. brutal film. Yeah. But yes, Fleabag. Um, it's your choice for next time. What are you going to pick? I'm gonna go for the Devils, the Ken Russell film. Yay! <laughs> I don't think is available completely uncut. No, it's not. There's a BFI version that came out, yeah. which has the least amount of cuts, but still, is it quite heavily cut? I'm not sure. I think it's a few minutes. Yeah, but, but it's still I think a lot. It's it? Yeah, yeah, it's surprising. I mean, the up up until the mid-80s, the BBFC actually genuinely had to take blasphemy blasphemy laws into consideration. Yeah. Anything that was Jeez. blasphemous. Blasphemy, like, in British law, only only really concerned Church of England, uh, apparently. Mm. Uh, right. I think it became so, a big thing because of Stuart Lee. Like, I, yeah. I, I think it was because, uh, what do you call that, uh, what do you call that opera that Sort of uh, he did Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer, yeah. Oh yeah, it was like a comedy kind of thing. Yeah, because of that, because he got he got threatened a few times, and then yeah, it was some church group threatened to bring him to court over blasphemy laws, and then it actually got as far as court, and then the judge threw it out and said, "This is well, as Charlie puts it, this is 2010." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know going forward with this. Yeah, I mean, fuck blasphemy. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, it like obviously didn't say it like that, but it yeah. like, came across as that. Um, but I think it was put across like so these days. I don't think you can be charged anymore. No, you can't. Yeah. It, 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 it's not. You, you can actually. Uh, can. Yeah, you can. But um, it it has to be in like direct direct violation to the Church of England, and it has to be like extreme. But you won't so, be. Yeah, no, but, nobody, I mean, that, well, that nobody, would be like, like an like incitement to religious hatred or sectarianism yeah, yeah. as opposed to actual blasphemy, which is you know. It, it it's essentially it's essentially like that, but it, it's yeah. not not strictly that, but it, it is essentially. Who's like, head of the Church of England? So. Uh, is that the guy with the big beard? Uh, yeah, it, it was wrong. It, it, it's no, a, no, it's uh, Justin uh, Welby. Welby. Yeah. But the, so if but like held you, him down and tattooed six 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 in his head, you'd you'd be you, actually, <laughs> well, yeah, well the charge wouldn't be, be blasphemy, but yeah. but there'd be other charges. It, it, like, <laughs> no, but are they the, because they're the Archbishop Bishop of Canterbury? Is the Archbishop of Canterbury the head of the Church of England? Is is the is Queen yeah, Elizabeth the second? Well, I, I think I think Queen Elizabeth might be the, the figurehead, but uh, uh, if it's something that he disagrees with, but I, I think if uh, I, I think basically if you were like to fucking print uh, England loves Satan 666 <laughs> then you'd be but I, I think it's quite difficult to no. um, I suppose it's no. I, I, I think it's quite difficult to uh, to provoke the Church of England but uh, it has to be <laughs> it, it's only the Church of England if you were to like if you were to slag off Jews um, yeah you could be you could probably be prosecuted as uh, religious hatred but not blasphemy yeah if you're like a classic, same thing, you know. Um, but um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's up for discussion. Yeah. The next episode. Who <laughs> <laughs> cares? Paul, Paul's just left the room. <laughs> yeah. I think we've all had too much to drink. Um, so, yeah, unless. D, unless there's anything new. I think that's it. Uh, I think that's us, yeah. yeah we'll see um, you next time for the Devils. Would you go into the house? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'd like to see what it's happens. A nice, it's a nice house. Shall we say bye without Paul? Uh, yes, I guess uh, Paul's away to take a pee, so we will say goodbye. So, yeah, <laughs> say goodbye, Dave. Bye. Don't go in the house. Yeah, and I'll say goodbye as well. Don't go in the house. And we'll see you next time for The Devils.